My name is Eric Brunette. I'm a strength conditioning coach and owner of Brunette Strength Conditioning, and this has been another episode of the Moss Football Podcast. Yo, welcome back to the Mass Football Podcast, the number one soccer podcast here in Oklahoma City. I am your host, Ricardo Yoa, and I am here at Legacy Real Estate Group. Shout out to the sponsors. If you're looking to buy, sell, invest in a house, you know what they do. Tia Rossi, Matia Vero, my uncle Salvador, my cousin Alex, they're great. The time is always now. Hit them up. Uh, but I am not here by myself today because I do have a guest. Uh, this guy, I guess we might have known each other somewhere for playing <laughs> soccer. Regardless, he's a strength trainer, and I'm here to learn, ask him some questions, and hopefully pass on some of this information to the listeners. So, um, what do they say? Um, without any more time, I guess, <laughs> my guy here, Eric Brunette. Well, thank you, Ricardo, for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It means a lot, giving me this opportunity to talk about what I really love and what, I, what I'm very passionate about. Um, really looking forward to seeing what kind of banter we can get into with this whole thing. Yeah, it should be fun, so, man. All absolutely. we need is a couple beers to, crack open <laughs> to really ha- call it a good time. But for the people that don't know you, can you please introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. My name is Eric Brunette. Um, I'm currently a strength and conditioning coach, so I work uh, privately um, in the private sector. My business is called Brunette Strength and Conditioning. I work mostly with the demographic of young athletes that range from a multitude of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a background of soccer, so I played club ball at Cosmos. Uh, I played college ball at St. Gregory's before it got shut down. Um, so that was the main thing that I wanted to discuss today was soccer and strength conditioning and how the two correlate and, and whatnot. Um, but currently, I mean, that's basically my whole life is just in the weight room at the moment. Nice, so, uh, and it's, it's super rewarding. Love, love the job. There's no other room that you'd want to be locked up in besides the room. That's a a room that I'm trying to visit a little bit more myself, to be honest (laughs) with you. So I heard, uh, shout out to Garrett. Oh, yes, definitely, shot us the message. He said, hey, strength training, I think you'd be great. And I think this is great because I don't think very many people know the importance of strength training for not only soccer, but in any daily activity that you do. Why is strength training important? Oh man, you're going to make me sound like a cultist here because I'm going to go off on a go off on a rant. There's there's just an overwhelming amount of scientific evidence to show how great strength training is for the human body as a whole. It has positive impacts on depression. Um, it has mood and energy boosting properties. Um, it actually will help you with your memory. We were talking about that earlier. It helps yeah. a ton with your memory. Um, there, I mean, I could go on for days about the importance of it. It's actually anti-aging. So a lot of people will spend a lot of money trying to look younger and feel younger, but the secret is literally just moving your body in that, you know, in that, yeah. uh, in that plane. Getting some resistance. Absolutely. In. So, um, and I mean, I could go into a much more like scientific, like dive into it, but mm-hmm. essentially Weightlifting, if you have any sort of physical ailment or any issue, weightlifting has some positive benefits towards it. So, um, at at least from the research that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just from a health perspective. Um, From an athletic perspective, I mean, nowadays you look at major universities and they're paying, like, I know, for example, OU's football strength conditioning coach is making anywhere between $500,000 to $750,000 a year um, because it's just such an important piece of the athletic puzzle. I mean, you want people to be faster, you want people to be more durable, you want people to last longer, all of that stuff's important. 
And it's something that's incredibly overlooked in youth athletics. Um, I think there's a big, big, I'm sure you've probably heard this, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you ever heard that weightlifting stunts growth? I, I was going to eventually lead to that. Like, there's always that stigma that if you lift weights as a young kid, you'll stay smaller, your muscles will contract, your bones yep. from getting bigger, whatever they say. Is it is that true? Or is oh, that... my gosh, man. It has been debunked just really? a countless number of times. It is, it is beyond false. Something like weightlifting that stimulates growth hormone and other hormones that deal with the body progressing, it makes no sense that something like that would be a detriment to a child. Um, so, uh, that said, there's ways to get into weightlifting that are deemed appropriate for kids. Um, but depending on their level, there's no reason. I mean, you can find evidence all around the world of kids getting into it earlier and earlier. Um, but yeah, it's a huge myth. Uh, I think there was a, a case back in the fifties or something where somebody broke a bone because they were unsupervised and lifting way too much weight. They weren't around a professional or anything like that. And when they broke that bone, that's what caused them to not grow because it wrecked their growth plate. It wasn't the physical lifting activity that did it. It was the accident that occurred. And believe it or not, weightlifting has been shown to be significantly less in terms of injury than every other sport. sport yeah. Yeah. Soccer, football, yes. of, course, of course, of course. I mean, it's a fraction of a percentile. Like it's something stupid like 1.5 to 2% of traumatic injuries. Mm. Tweaks, things like that are pretty normal. We have to normalize those because that's just being human. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I feel like if you get hurt in the gym, it's more than likely because you're doing something you're not supposed to or you're doing it the wrong way. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the, the one of the big issues that I wanted to talk about today um, is the lack of professionalism in my job mm -hmm. when it comes to other people running weightlifting programs. Schools don't fund it. So let's go back to the, the coach at OU making $750,000 a year. That's because that job is highly valued and it, it has a lot to offer people. Um, but to get that job, um, you have to have a lot of prerequisites, mm -hmm. including a master's degree. Um, connections. Yes. not And I mean, connections are great, but I mean, you have certain certifications, you have time spent in the field. There, you have personal experience. It's not something that you can just pick up, but there's a lot of local high schools and other places that their strength conditioning is run by the soccer coach or somebody that a volunteer. Yes, exactly. Given their time. It's some, something that people don't want to pay for. Like they don't want to spend money. So they try to find someone that may or may not have understanding of it. Um, but, um, I'm gonna take notes while you're talking. No, okay? absolutely. Uh, -huh. uh, absolutely. No worries. Uh, and the problem with that is the way that I view strength conditioning is a lot like medication. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be prescribed and dosed effectively to get the response that we want. If that makes sense. So if you have some random person giving you your medication that doesn't understand it, they're going to over prescribe. Mm -hmm. So, and that happens a lot. Kids do in weightlifting. We have what's called volume and intensity. So volume would be the amount of work done in a given session and intensity would be how hard and difficult like that'd be as he like heavy lifting like doing a one rep max or a two rep max in a short amount of time yes precisely. So it's how hard you're going in a short amount of time as opposed to the volume is how much work you do over a long period of time precisely so I could intensity how fast can i run this mile uh volume i'm gonna run for an hour and see how much distance i can cover without really worrying about my pace right? basically so think of it like this if i do one set of 10 reps on a back squat at 100 pounds that is a thousand pounds of volume because 100 times 10 is 1,000. If I do one rep at 400 pounds, that's 400 pounds of volume. Mm. So the volume is less. So it's the important. Is higher. Exactly. It's important to understand the difference between those two. 
And I guarantee you, if I talk to the majority of coaches that do this stuff, they wouldn't be able to tell me. And the reason it's important is because volume fatigues the central nervous system. And the nervous system is what's responsible for you, A, being able to recover and being able to function well. If the nervous system is over fatigued, you get sick. You deal with ailments, things like that, because the body can't heal itself. So it's important to understand volume and intensity. That way we can program around season, in season, off season, preseason. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. So like off season work, we could do a ton of volume. We could get a lot of repetition. That way we can make the muscles denser. And it's like building body armor. Like we're, we're able to handle that nervous system fatigue because we're not playing as much. Mm-hmm. And then in season and like preseason, we'd ramp up the intensity, lower the volume because mm-hmm. you're getting a lot of training volume at practice. A lot of playing time. Exactly. That is volume. Mm. Playing time and game time is volume. So we have to account for that. Um, A lot of places will just not lift. They'll lift for like six weeks and then just take them out of the weight room for 12 weeks until season's off. Well, your body, the way it works, it's use it or lose it. So Mm. you basically just wasted all that time in the weight room. You might have gotten some very, very little benefit. So you can make an argument that it's better than nothing. But if you'd simply just A, educate yourself or B, hired a professional to do it for you, your kids could really progress. I completely agree. And then you said it, but I feel like in football, even in high school level, levels, they pay attention to the strength training a little bit better. But in soccer, not so much. Uh, it's probably just because just football, is you're prepared for it a little bit that way. But for soccer, why, why do you think that is that? And maybe soccer, we're neglecting it a little bit more than we are in football. Soccer, it's, I feel like it's heavily demonized. Demonized? I think strength training, yes. I've seen it. I've, so there are some people that are very for it, but there are some people like, I've heard this a lot, that weight training makes you slow. Hmm. And that's so a lot, of, like it makes you bulky. It makes you big and like big and slow. And that is, it, depending on how you train, and again, we go back to having someone that's an understand, like understands how this stuff works, um, that could be the case. But the other reason is because soccer is heavily specialized hmm. in 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 Oklahoma and in club soccer in general, what I mean by specialization is at an early age, you got kids practicing six times a week and always playing soccer. They're putting tons of, so you have like athleticism and you have skill, two different sides. And you have parents putting all of the eggs in the basket into skill Hmm. and none into athletic growth. So I've seen a lot of kids that have come to me that like, I watch them touch a ball and they're great, but I watch them try to run, change direction or do anything athletic and they're so far behind the curve where they should be. Mm. So, um, that's one of the biggest things that I see is they want these kids to have like a leg up, but what they don't understand is some kids that may work, but a lot of them will suffer from burnout. They'll suffer from overuse injury because they're doing the same repetitive movements and they're not doing anything to make their body more resilient because you have to improve before you can do all that extra work. You have to improve what's called your work capacity and your work capacity is How much work can your body handle? Mm. Soccer is work. And if you don't have a work capacity, you run the risk of getting hurt. You run the risk of injury, sickness, things like that. And in in soccer, I've seen too many kids that are nine to 12 years old have some serious injuries that they should not be dealing with. Like what? Like uh, I've seen people with that have like literally dealt with like hip fractures and like tendon, like small tendon tears and things like that. I mean, I'll have kids come in that are really beat up and you'd think football would be the sport that would deal with that the most. But surprisingly, what I've seen from my subjective experience is soccer. Hmm. It deals with the most injuries. Um, And I think that has mostly to do with the amount of playing time. Hmm. Um, When I played in college, we never did anything like a tournament. Like we played six games in a weekend. That's insane. 
Like that is a ton of volume for mm. a child to do. We didn't do anything like that in college or, and you don't see it in the professional level either. They don't, they don't. So like, why would it be appropriate for children to do something like that? If you want to talk about something that could really mess with them, like something there. Yeah, growth, exactly. Right? Like if you, if you fracture those, you know, growth plates or whatever getting hurt, but that's a different story. But yeah, I think, I think it's just not understood how important it is in soccer. Um, and how much it can benefit, like just doing a little bit. You, in my experience, you don't even have to do much. Like a lot of people in their head, they're like, oh, I gotta go to the gym four to six times a week and I just don't have time for that. Well, I see my kids once a week. That's all I see them. And I keep track of numbers. I have metrics that I, I keep track of and I make sure we're improving upon. If we're not improving, we gotta find out why. <laughs> Is it their food? Is it their sleep? Is it their, are they overtraining? Are they undertraining? You know what I mean? There's yeah, all sorts holistically, of- Holistically, you have to look at everything because it all just, it, it all has something to do with the output that the player gives. Every factor, everything factors in, and regardless if they think that it does or doesn't. So, what, so what's like the, one of the things that you see that these kids are lacking the most right now? Is it sleep? Are they staying up too late? Like, what are some of these common things that you're seeing besides oh, just the overuse? So, definitely sleep, but I would say the biggest is food. Food, food, and um, oh man. Uh, Food and then again, just lack of general athletic development, mm. over specialization, not enough general strength. But food is the biggest one. I used to think that oh, all these kids just have crazy metabolisms, but come to find out, a lot of them don't even eat breakfast. They wake up and don't eat anything. So they're coming off an eight-hour fast of sleeping and not eating anything when they wake up, or maybe having a granola bar, and then they go to school. And most of them don't like the food that they serve at school, so they don't eat again. Then maybe they have a bigger meal before practice, or maybe they don't eat at all, and then all they're eating is at dinner. Their parents see a meat at dinner and they're scarfing food down. And they're like, oh my God, my kid just eats so much food. It's so crazy. But he's really getting like 14 or 1500 calories in a day. Mm. So you have soccer players that are so underweight at like freshman and sophomore and junior year. They're, they should be much higher in weight. But, and that's not anybody's fault. It's not a, the parent's fault or anything like that. It's just that's part of what people pay me for is to make sure that like we're finding these holes in their, in their day-to-day routine. And we're fixing it so mm. that we can set them up for success down the line. But yeah, I, I honestly think food is the biggest thing. That's right. It's so, funny that you say that because now they're working, what, at a, a caloric deficit? So they're never really going to get any bigger. They're not really going to gain any mass. So it's going to be a lot harder for them to do that. Now that you're looking at everybody else's, like, how, how does this affect your life and routine? Because I bet you're, what, counting your calories as well? Oh, yeah, you're Calculating sure. your output, um, keeping track of your volume, and then also adding some intensity in there. Like, what are your, what are you, what are your goals right now for yourself? So um, when I finished soccer, when I was done, I played my last season in 2015, uh, was, 2014, sorry. When did it close? 2017, 2017, so you just um, got lucky. Because I was in grad school at the time. Uh, I, don't, I think I failed to mention this when I was introducing myself, but I, I have my master's degree in exercise science and a bachelor's degree in exercise science and a couple of certifications. Um, so that's my fault. <laughs> there you go. We give everybody that, you know, makes those type of accomplishments. Cool, really. cool. I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, so in my own, my own goals, I don't really know right now. I, I really am enjoying just getting stronger, just seeing how much I can lift physically because now that I understand how this stuff works, I used to lift weights because I was just in love with it, but I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. So I, was, I, would, I would deal with tweaks all the time. I'd get hurt all the time. I was under eating, but I just had fun. It made me feel good and it gave me confidence. So once I got to go, I went to grad school at UCO and I was the graduate assistant up there for strength and conditioning. So I worked under, uh, his name's Jacob Black, Coach Black, great guy, high, just one of, the, one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in regards to strength and conditioning. Um, I owe him a lot, uh, but I worked under him and he kind of taught me, you know, 
the ways of the weight room and it just changed everything, man. I mean, the stuff that I'm physically capable of now, I mean, I've still in, in the wide array of things, not all that strong and not, not all that athletic, but compared to how I was when I played college ball, I mean, I'm way different. Mm. I'm my, like my numbers, one of the metrics I keep are the vertical jump and the deadlift. Those are the two metrics I like to use the most. And in college, my vertical jump was like a 23. And as a 32, soon to be 33 year old man, I can jump like a 34, almost a 35 now. Hmm. Uh, my deadlift was like 380, now it's 585. And like, I have no injuries or anything. And this is an, as an older guy. Uh, but as far as goals, I don't know. I just wanna get stronger. I like, I wanna see what I can get my numbers to. I've really, I wanted to do MMA when I quit soccer. And when I did my first couple practices, I realized like how much time I was going to have to dedicate to the sport because I knew no martial arts. Really? So um, I wanted to, wanted really badly to do that, but it came came to a quick realization that I was like, if I'm going to run a business and try to learn jujitsu, kickboxing, boxing, all this stuff, so I can like be good, there's just no shot. So I moved to just strictly boxing, and I made it kind of a hobby to replace soccer with. I don't get to, I don't play much these days, or really do anything soccer wise other than just train kids but I'd like to do a couple more fights I did one fight back in like 2018 it was super fun but man it was way different than playing a soccer game how'd it go uh, I won but the the months leading up to it was just tons of anxiety really like, oh man I have bad competition anxiety so really? yeah like leading up to it I was like not sleeping training <sighs> really hard uh, I was really happy with how I did but playing a soccer game and then like fighting, I fought in front of I think like 320 people in outside in the middle of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, in a in a ring. It was super weird. It what was. Ma what made you the most nervous about it? Was it the fact that you were fighting in front of 300 people, or the fact that you were gonna face somebody that's gonna legit just try to kick your ass? It's funny. I don't know. I really. I think it was a combination of all of it. I've always been really hard on myself athletically. Uh -huh. Like I'm sure that if you talk to any of my old coaches, like I've always been really hard on myself when I make mistakes. So I want to do really well. I think maybe that was the biggest thing is like, I wanted to go out there and look like I knew, knew how what to you were doing. Yeah. And like, so feeling like I maybe would mess up. I was pretty confident I was going to win. Mm -hmm. Um, just because most like early on in fighting, like there's not a lot of people that have my athletic background. So I was pretty mm -hmm. confident in myself in that regard. But yeah, I mean, it's different, man. People are screaming at you to like, to, to like kill them and to, to knock them out. It's yes. just weird, dude. It's a totally different It's a different vibe. switch that you just have to turn on because the moment that bell rings, you turn into a civilian, to a person that's almost fighting for your life. Basically, And yeah. it's funny how you said that before you didn't meet many people with your type of athleticism. I take that as a funny way of you saying you haven't found very many people that's been able to kick your ass. Oh, no, I found plenty. Trust <laughs> oh, me. Oh, really? Let, let me give you an example. So I train, currently train, and he's 19. I've trained him since he was 16. His name's Alfredo. He's been boxing since okay. he was six. Uh, this guy's like five foot eight and he's been boxing since he was six years old. So he's been boxing about as long as I played soccer. And I met him when he was 16 and I'll never forget the first day his dad brought him to me for strength conditioning, but he also wanted me to work some boxing with him. Him and I went out to spar and this kid just beat the brakes off. No. I couldn't believe it. I was like, it, but it was cool. It was cool to see yeah. that. Like it was very humbling. And that's what I like about fighting is like, it knocks you down a peg in a good way you know it, it brings humbling, you it brings it? you down to earth and training with him like i've trained with him now for three years and i've gotten to a point where i feel like i'm pretty dang good like yeah. i'm not a, a professional but because of working with this kid who is highly skilled um it, it's helped me and it's been cool to to have that experience but no i've had my <laughs> I had, like, i've had my bell rings so business. many times dude like it's it's just part of it like yeah. um the people that i trained with at the gym that i was at were very good hmm. 
Um, and then I've trained with a lot of people that are very talented. I try to find people that are better than me so that I can yes. get better. Um, it's not fun to... You can't be the best one in the room. No, absolutely Never. not, man. It's, it's it, You get better if you train with better yes. people. So finding people that can beat me up makes me better. And contrary to what a lot of people think, people take care of you in, yeah. in fight sports. Like Find a good gym, yeah, please. Or, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> find a good gym. Absolutely. But they take care of you. But no, I mean, I would like to do a couple more fights if I can, but it's hard. I'm mean, sure you know it's really hard running a business. and yeah. like Also being able to train. And absolutely. then especially if this is something that you're wanting to take serious. Uh, that you're just not going to go out. You don't seem like the person that's just going to go out there and half-ass it. No, no, no. A lot of people do that. They'll just take fights on moments. I'm not that person. I want to be prepared. Because, I mean, you can get hurt. You can get really hurt if... You can uh, die. I mean, absolutely. in the worst case, I mean, you can die doing many things. But, I mean, not very many sports you go out with the goal of just punching somebody. Yes. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I may... I think what I would like to do is continue, as far as goals, to go back to your original question. I want to continue to grow my business. I really want to try to make a change in Oklahoma soccer in terms of how we view strength conditioning because I genuinely, as someone who came from a soccer background, I believe that the next step towards making Oklahoma a better soccer state is by including good strength and conditioning and educating people on that and how they can do it in, in a soccer setting, how sport coaches can do it at practice in short amount of time. Hmm. Um, I would like to, to change soccer in that regard here um, and then the other, I'd like to maybe do, maybe get involved in, in the boxing scene a little more, maybe be a boxing coach or something. I've kind of fallen in love with that sport, but those are like my current goals more than anything. Um, but yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. Just kind of riding the wave. Nice, dude. Well, it sounds like a fun wave. I'm enjoying hearing about it. And if you do end up fighting, let me know. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely I'd will, love man. to go out there and support and watch because to touch back on the fighting uh, topic about it, a lot of people consider it an art. And you're talking about how you jumped in the ring with the 15-year-old who was probably... You had him by maybe, what, 60 pounds? Oh, no, no. The guy that I fought was my age. No, no. I mean the little... Oh, the, the little guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had him by a lot of weight. And so. being able to see boxing is an art within itself. Jiu-jitsu is another art within Absolutely. itself. That once you're in the zone, like, sure, your goal is to, you know, just take them out. But stances, you know, feints, Absolutely. all that stuff. Uh, what Give me, give me, how, how is it? I'm still so curious about how, how those first like 30, 10 seconds are, as well as the building up of it. Because what, did you have a camp? Did you? Oh yeah, we had, I mean, I, were, I trained at a gym. So we, we all fought, we fought, we fought a gym from Kansas. Oh, so it's so, like a gym. Yeah, so it was a gym. a gym versus a gym type of fight oh, in, awesome. in, a, in a small organization. It was sanctioned, it was a sanctioned fight. But the fighting world is just very different than soccer. It's, it's immensely different. Now fighting, I actually think it's pretty similar to soccer. Because you want to make your opponent do what you, what want. you want them to do. Kind of so, dictate. like you said, yes, it's playing feints. defense. Like when you're playing defense against forward, and you you want to give them the wing or cut off the middle, cut off a pass. Absolutely. And like you, can, if you can get them to do what, make them do what you want them to do, then you have all the power. Mm. Um, as far as like the first, like sparring with Alfredo, the the younger kid. You know, he was like you said, he's lighter than me. So like I wasn't trying to knock his block off. I was mm -hmm. trying to outscore him. I was trying mm. to score points. So, like, I'm going to take care of the, kid, the people that I, I'm not trying to, like, hurt them. You know what I mean? I know that sounds weird. No, no. It makes um, but that's total just, sense. Yeah, that's just how I, that's how I train. I want to score points. I'm an amateur boxer. I'm not a professional. So, like, my job, I'm trying to score. So, like, but he outscored me like crazy. Like, it was, it was, it was wild. In the fight, the first 30 seconds, man, it's hard to even remember. Like, what's your game plan? Like, yeah, is your goal, I like, to have, take them to the floor? I just went out there. I just went out there and think we, like, I'm, I'm a very defensive-minded fighter. Mm -hmm. I don't like to get hit. Um, because I understand the implications of it. So like the first 30 seconds, 
normally from what I've seen people go out and just wail on Testi- each other oh really yeah, I was gonna say go some nuts. people I guess the professionals kind of weigh test the yeah. waters but you only have I only have three two minute rounds three two minute so, rounds which sounds like nothing dude it is compared to what I was I was sparring like five minute rounds to get ready for this fight and I'll, I'll never forget how quickly that round ended and I didn't really do anything in the first round I was just defending and like this dude was wailing just trying to trying to knock my block off and like mm. I, he eventually tired out, which is what my game plan was. I figured I was fitter than him. Coming from a soccer background, I will say the most benefit is the I have the way volume. better cardio than a lot of people for a big guy. Mm. Like a lot of guys my size, I have way better cardio than my legs last way longer than. Now my hand-eye coordination was really rough. Mm. Like that's that took some time, but he gassed out, and I was I just kind of beat him up for the rest of the the rounds. Kicks, punches. No, it's just boxing. Just boxing. Just, that's okay. all. That's, yeah, it's just boxing. So, but um, but yeah, it was. It was it was a really cool experience, and I gained a lot from it. Uh, I, that was always my goal was to get in the ring or the cage and do something at least one time. But I'd like to do it a little bit more before I get too old. Hmm. Um, but it just depends on if life will allow me to or not. It's know? funny how you say that your hands just weren't there yet. But if you wanted to kick them, I'm pretty sure you could have gotten them with the outside of the foot, so back heel. I did like I did kickboxing for a while, and I still do it from time to time. And I always feel good throwing kicks. Like always feel confident, but it's it. It's an art itself too. Like it's, I've put a lot more time into boxing, so I've actually gotten to a point with my hands that I feel really sharp and really, really? good with them. But my kicks, not so much because I don't, I just don't practice. Yeah. Like I want my goal with boxing too. The reason I picked it over kickboxing and everything, jujitsu and stuff, was because I felt like it was the least likely that I was gonna get hurt in. I had a lot of knee tweaks in kickboxing when I did it, and a lot of like shoulder tweaks in jujitsu and stuff. So I wasn't able to lift. And granted, I've had injuries from boxing too, but like I felt like in my subjective experience that boxing was the least likely to get me hurt. So I'd be able to lift and progress there at the same time. Mm. So that's why I picked that sport too. was, um, yeah. So, mm. but yeah, man, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. It's a hobby I plan to continue. I don't know how serious I'll take it. I really, I have a handful of young boxers that are like between the ages of 14 and 19 right now that I work with. And I usually just let them try to beat me up and work on their work on their technique um, and try to get them better. Like I had a kid fight this past weekend that won, did a really good job. Nice. Um, so I, I'd like to be a boxing coach at some point, I think for fun, but I also have an itch to get back into soccer too. So it's hard, like it's hard to pick to, which, which exactly. One mm-hmm. Like I miss soccer like crazy. Well, that's the beauty of being able, being a strength coach is that it can be applied in many different sports and ways. So you're explaining to me how you've been doing it for boxing, but Am I wrong? Did you are you somewhat doing this for rowing as well? Oh yes. Yeah. So I do I have a lot of different sports, but I work for uh, the boathouse downtown. Um, they hired me to train their uh, the, like they have like a, a high performance rowing team is what they call it, and they're a group of like eight to nine kids that all have Olympic aspirations and are all very close. So I work with them three times a week and do their strength conditioning. They're all just phenomenal athletes, phenomenal people. Mm. I've been with them for about a year now. Um, they're actually headed off to competition, I think, today, as a matter of fact. So some of them will stay back with me and lift. But, I mean, they were recently in Italy. They go all over the place wow. to perform. Um, rowing is a, a sport that's totally different breed. Different? Um, just diff- I mean, just the, the sheer hell they put their bodies through, that these kids put their bodies through to get fit is just mind-blowing. What type of competitions are these kids doing? Uh, so they'll, there's tons of different types of rowing. Uh, you have like distance rowing, like coastal rowing. You have like short distance rowing, um, which is what it's kind of like track and field, mm. but in a boat is kind of how it works. That makes sense. They have times, things like that. 
but it can range from like track and field to like cross country, if that makes sense. Really? I still don't understand a lot of it. I understand how to train rowers because training every sport, people don't want to believe this, but training every sport is pretty similar. Hmm. And I'll, I can get, I can touch on that in a little bit. There's not a lot of major differences that we have to, that we have to take hmm. training sports. But anyway, I'm still learning a lot about how the rowing world works um, because I'm only out there maybe two hours a week. And then I send them a workout to do on their own. And I try to make games when I can, but I work seven days a week at my job trying to make sure that I get my kids in and I see them once a week and we're consistent. So it's, it is very difficult for me to make it out to events like I would like to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've worked with them for a while. There was a time where I worked when Evan uh, Dressel was at Mid-America. I worked and trained the Mid-America girls mm -hmm. while he was their coach. Um, and a couple of local high schools I've worked with like Westmore, Carl Albert, um, trying to think if, it, if I'm missing anybody. You did some work at USAO as well. No, I've never no? done anything at USAO. No, USAO. I meant to say UCO. UCO, yeah. But I was the graduate assistant there. Mm -hmm. So like that, I did work there. Um, during my time at UCO, I got two pretty cool internships that really taught me a lot. I got to intern at Iowa State. Oh, um, I did their, I worked with their football program. That was invaluable experience. I saw that on your LinkedIn. That's yeah, I learned a whole lot from them. A D1 um, program that takes strength and conditioning as serious as they could. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How, so I, how was that? Like coming into, see, seeing them that take it to the max, and then you're going out to these soccer places and everywhere else where it's just not even focused on at all. must drive you nuts. Oh, my, dude. It definitely does, but the big difference, I mean, it was a culture shock. I've never been a huge football fan. I've never cared that much about football. But like the the culture at Iowa State was wild. Like I'm and I mean it's not and I think it's football in general, it's not just Iowa State, but I would say it's a a culture that isn't super politically correct. Um, it's very but I mean it, it's all with the best intentions. It's very militant. Um, I'm trying to think of the best the best way I can describe this without sounding like I disliked it because I, I had a, it was invaluable. I learned a tremendous amount and it was really cool. But there, but yeah, going from a place like that that heavily values strength training, like they did it four times a week. Mm. Um, but watching how the athletes, you know, the yes sir, no sir type of thing, I never saw that in soccer. Mm. It was always like well organized and whatnot, but like, I mean, it's you got to be thick skinned to play football at the Division One level. And when I came into Iowa State, they were off of like a, a, a last season, they had lost like almost every game. Mm. So they were in the weight room wearing shirts that was like, that said like one and like, 12 or 1 in 24 Jesus. or something like that because that was their motivated that was their driving force but it was also really cool because that year they did really well and they ended up beating OU they had one of the best years that they've had in a long time and it ended up inciting them getting a new coach Campbell I think is his name and um but yeah it was it was a really cool experience like working with the football athletes and seeing what these kids were physically capable of because of strength training I mean, one of my main metrics I use is the vert vertical jump, and I use a mat mm. to measure the height. And I told you that, like, I jump currently like a 34. Man, I watched kids in that program jump 40s and above. And, I mean, they were floating. They looked like they were transcending. It was wild, man. It was it, Weighing, it, what, 210? 210, 180. I mean, I mean, there were people in there that weighed, like, 175, benching 315 for reps. We talk about the importance of strength and body weight. Um, to kind of dive into a soccer perspective to give you like, cause I know this is mostly soccer. Let's say we have two kids. We have a kid that weighs, we have two kids that both weigh 140 pounds and you got a kid that can squat 200 pounds and you got a kid that can squat 400 pounds. Who do you think is going to run faster? 400 pounds. Yeah, absolutely. He's been exposed to higher levels of forces, uh, of, of force production. 
so we can break this down into physics. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. So no, no, that's continue, because okay. I, I wholeheartedly believe in all of this, and I had somebody else who has an Olympic lifting uh, he, a barbell club in, on the north side, and he was touching on all that and the fast twitch muscles and all oh, that, yeah. and I find that all interesting, so please uh, unpack it. So I'll, I'll hopefully give you a different perspective on it. Um, let's talk about physics. So physics is the basis of human movement. If we look at force, force is every step you take on a soccer field, every direction you go, when you jump, when you sprint, you're producing force. If you produce low, low, low levels of force, you're gonna run slow. If you produce high levels of force, you're gonna run fast. Some kids naturally produce higher levels of force than other kids. Let's break down force in a, in a, in a, in a, phys, like a physics equation. Mass times acceleration. So your body weight mm -hmm. uh, times the amount of you know, weight that you're moving. So like by squatting 400 pounds, we're producing large amounts of force. If, if we expose the athlete to higher levels of force, it's very, very unlikely that a, a soccer player in a field is gonna produce the same amount of force that they do on a 400 pound squat, mm -hmm. but their base level of force will improve. Mm. So um, if we look at velocity as a physics equation, it's work divided by time. Work being force, time being how quickly can you generate it. So um, the way that we would wanna train and the way that like Iowa State trained and like I also spent some time at OU with their Olympic department is we trained through a continuum called the force velocity curve. So it's the inverse relationship between force production and velocity. If we, we have to work when we strength train on one side of the curve, force, that'd be heavy lifting. The other side is velocity, it'd be like jumping, sprinting, quick mm. explosive movements like your Olympic training. If we train the entirety of that curve, we're gonna improve athletic potential. So that reason that 400 pound kit squatter is probably gonna run quicker is because he's been exposed to higher levels of force. So his baseline force production is gonna go uh. up. And in the kids that I've trained, just by having them one time a week and getting their squat up 50 or 60 pounds, I have kids that have shaved half a second off their 40 yard dash. Yeah. And like, it's, and I'm, that's with no sprinting. That's with no, anything other than just getting their squat up. That's how untrained these kids are. Now at some point, we gotta focus on other things like plyometric action, which plyometrics would be like continuous jumps to train the tendons and ligaments to absorb and produce more force. Um, there's other things that would come into it, but early in a kid's development, just getting them stronger makes them so much more athletic mm -hmm. right out of the gate. If we just focus on general strength. So, um, but again, it's all physics. Um, the, the, mo the more force we can develop in a shorter amount of time, the faster we're gonna run. So we have to train to do that. That's not something that can just happen. And oftentimes coaches will throw out the speed ladder, for example. And when I tell you the speed ladder is not going to make you faster, it is just not. You don't produce any force on that. There's no levels of force. It, it could help you get coordinated with young kids. It's great because they need coordination. Um, and it could help warm you up. But like the problem with it is you're not going to produce enough force to meaningfully change your body. Your body, we go through a process of adaptation when we lift. We stress the body intentionally. I talked about medication earlier. We're prescribing stress to, to, for our body to, to respond. And if we don't prescribe enough stress, it won't respond. So the problem with the speed ladder is it's not enough stress. If you want to make it more stressful, you can make them do it longer, but now you're doing an endurance workout. Mm -hmm. You're not doing a power workout. Power takes place like in, from zero to maybe six seconds. So a couple of explosive reps under a barbell where you're going as hard as you can, or maybe jumping as high as you can on a box with some dumbbells, um, or doing like a 20 yard sprint as hard as you can. Um, that's how you improve your power production. So if you want kids to run faster, 
got to train in that plane. Um, does that make sense? It does. The word resistance comes to my mind every time you say that. You're doing a ladder. Well, there's not much resistance that your body needs to push against. Yes. And you need to be able to push to grow because if you're just, just doing these light little workouts, it's not going to work out. You really have to go hard and then fast, just quick. Your, just body, quick. your body does not want to change. It wants to stay the same. So one of my favorite analogies, it's kind of like rudimentary, kind of lame, but it may, it's, hopefully this will make some sense. So when you're making toast, if you overcook that toast, like if you leave it in the toaster too long, you burn it and it's gross. Mm. If you do it too short, it stays the same. But if we golden brown it, we give it just the right amount of stress, or I'm sorry, not stress, but you know what I mean, the right yeah, amount yeah. of heat, it's gonna taste good. It's gonna be right where we want, it's gonna be crunchy, golden brown, it's the same with the human body. We have to give it the right amount of stress so one of the ways that I do that is I use what's called velocity-based training. I use a mechanism called a tendo unit, and it measures the speed of the bar. Hmm. I also use that jump mat, which tells me how high they jump. So a good way that I quote-unquote golden brown uh, the kids' muscles whenever they're, when they're there is when that velocity starts dropping off real hard, that tells me that they're tired. They're, yes, and I don't need to necessarily go anymore. If their vertical jump starts dropping off really hard, then... I don't need to go anymore. We've, we've done it. We've, we've stressed the body enough to induce change. It can also tell me if they come in and they do like a vertical jump and they're really low compared to normal, that can give me feedback. How have you ate today? Did you practice yesterday? Did you get enough sleep last night? That can completely influence how hard I push them in their workout. Cause you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to overtrain. You don't want to burn the toast. Absolutely. And it can give me a chance to educate them on how to handle and treat their body in those mm. times. A lot of times you just go to the gym and there's this mentality of hard work, hard work, hard work. I love that. I really do. But we live in a day and age now where we have a ton of technology and a ton of understanding and, at, and hard work is very important and I still am all for it, but you, smart work is always going to be hard work any day of the week. I don't care who you are. If you go overseas and look at Premier League teams at practice, they're wearing GPS units so that they can track their heart rate, how much mileage they've done, they'll straight up pull people out of practice if they've hit their marks. Hmm. Imagine imagine like a youth team and you got a kid that maybe hits his marks. Imagine a, a young coach being, okay, you can go sit out. Like That seems wrong, doesn't it? I mean, it would unless they were telling us it's to keep this toast golden. Absolutely, but people but don't yes. understand. Yeah, like, they don't it, understand. It no. seems lazy is what I'm saying. Like To a lot of people that would sound lazy, but in reality, we're like we said, we're keeping the toast golden brown we're golden brown we're giving them the dose they need let me write this down because that's going to be the title of the podcast keeping the toast <laughs> what is it keeping the toast what golden brown keeping the toast golden brown but I that's so true you must you see burnt toast all over the place don't oh you oh my god dude Overtraining is so um especially in specialized in a sport that specializes like soccer um but honestly one of the best ways to keep it golden brown is to eat more food that's one of the, the simplest fixes I have is I usually have my kids come in, they fill out a food log and within the first week I'm like, dude, you guys aren't eating anything. So I have a shake recipe that I send them that's like a thousand calories of very nutritionally really? dense foods. They start drinking that, all their numbers start skyrocketing, their body weight starts skyrocketing, um, which is what we want. We, we, we don't want them to be weighing very little as a, as a high school player. You know, I mean that, I remember being in the college world and some of our players we'd get in would be skilled technically but they'd be very small and they wouldn't be able to help us because they would get bodied and there'd be guys as way bigger than them that were as fast as them so like what use are you you know what i mean mm -hmm. so bigger is not slower i mean look at these linemen in um in mm. the combines that are running four sevens those are big boys dude and they're booking it and it's because they're super strong it's because they are physically strong 
Uh, they, they practice their sport. They lift heavy. They lift light. They lift fast. They sprint, and then they recover. Simple as that. I think one of the most interesting things that you said was how you, through the vertical jump, are able to gauge where these kids are and be able to adjust the practices with a simple vertical jump. Uh, that, I think that's also another side of all of this that we overlook, and I personally do myself, is the recovery yes. and the workload. Uh, it's easy for me to just, when I was running, just to be able to say, I'm going to go run 30 minutes every day and just stay consistent. Whether, if I'm feeling tired that day, it's just going to be a slower run. If I'm feeling good, I might pick up the tempo. But 80% of the run should be easy. Do I stretch? No. Does that cost me? A thousand percent it does. Can you touch a little bit on the recovery and how we're Absolutely. just probably not doing a good job of it? So we'll have, let's think about this. A lot of times people think they get better when they're going to the gym. Like when you go to the gym, I'm improving. No, no, no. You're actually, you're actually tearing your body up. Hmm. You're not getting better. You're tearing it down. You only get better if you can heal from it, if your body can heal and adapt. That's the process of adaptation. If it can't heal and adapt, you're getting worse. So, like, it's funny that people, like, I, so many kids will go to the gym six times a week, mm. but they won't eat the right amount of food to recover from it, so they won't go anywhere. And I say this as someone who did that. I lived that life. Like, I went to the gym six times a week, wasn't getting stronger, was getting hurt all the time, and I was just like, oh, my genetics are bad, or like... I must, I need, must need a new program, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like staying out till three in the morning. Um, I might be drinking alcohol on the weekends or something like that. Mm. I'm like eating like crap, eating McDonald's, not eating breakfast. Like I'm overtraining. Like you only can, can do what you can recover from. So you can adjust workouts based on your lifestyle too, like we talked about earlier. But yeah, recovery, that's the most important part. And it's hard to recover from... Work, you can't really work out seven days a week and recover unless you're an elite level athlete. Mm. And even then it's, it's pushing it. And soccer, a lot of kids will practice seven days a week. I've had kids that come to me and they're like, they go to training in their club two times a week. They go to private sessions two times a week. Then they come to me and then they go play tournament games on the weekend. And I'm like, when are you recovering? Mm. I've had to literally tell people that they cannot come live with me that day because of their schedule. And like, I take a hit financially when that happens, but whatever. I mean, I don't want to hurt these kids. My goal is to make them better. So like I've had to like straight up turn people away or like they might come to me and pay me the designated amount, but they live for 20 minutes and leave hmm. because of their week. But that's like, that's how it should be. Everything, they, everything should be adjusted. Again, we go back to the, the premier league teams using GPS units so that they can adjust. So we make sure these players are getting the most out of it. Golden Brown and that bad boy, they're <laughs> getting to they're they're recovering and they're performing well. Hmm. And like once I think it would benefit greatly for sport coaches to really understand the human body. Mm. Um, we'll go back to the vertical jump and how I can tell. So the vertical jump is a mostly nervous system based uh, movement. And what I mean by that is like your body has two different systems. It has the musculoskeletal system, which has the muscles and the skeleton, big shocker. Then it has the nervous system. So the, the muscle tissue and the nervous system, they're different. The, the nervous system sends signals to the muscles. So whereas a lot of high school coaches that I've come across that do programming for their kids will just program tons of volume, that actually makes the tissue denser and bigger, which is good for injury prevention. But if you're not training the nervous system on top of it, you're just making the body heavier and harder mm -hmm. to move correctly. The nerve, like That's like the equivalent of having this beautiful looking sports car that looks like it could go like, 
that could haul but maybe has a v4 mm. you know what i mean because the signal's not the nervous system isn't getting worked up you're in a ferrari that's in, with the honda engine you, you know it's absolutely it's not working out that's why you got guys in the sport of powerlifting that can outlift bodybuilders these bodybuilders that are like 260 10 percent body fat just these gargantuan human beings still still impressive physical specimens in the gym but you got guys like there's a, a guy I follow on instagram i love him man he posts all sorts of great content he calls himself deadlift panda Dude weighs 190 pounds, deadlifts like 850 pounds. What? It's just mind-blowing to see. But because of the type of training he does, it's mostly nervous system based. Now, it just because he can deadlift 850 pounds doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be some phenomenal athlete because we talked about that force velocity curve. He's spending all of his time on the force end and mm. none on the velocity. So he might have a decent athletic base, but because he's not working down here, it's not going to make him a great athlete per se. So it's not just about how much you can lift. That's just one factor. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It so, does. but yeah, it's uh, like a lot of times people are so focused on volume and they don't understand the adaptations that take place with volume. So they don't even really know what they're doing. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. And it would be cool to have like it'd be cool to get to get find some way to get coaches educated so that they understood what they were doing. And this isn't me hating on people or anything. It's just a flaw in the system that can mm. be a game changer. As a, as a former soccer player, I've seen how much this affects people. And my business only exists because it works. And um, I want to get that information out. Mm. And I mean, this isn't my, this isn't my information. Uh, I'm wearing this Westside Barbell hoodie because this is where I got most of this information from initially. It's a small gym in Columbus, Ohio um, that's dedicated towards powerlifting. But the, the founder, Louis Simmons, um, man is just he changed the changed weightlifting in the States. So I'm going to go off on another tangent to give you an idea back in like the eighties, I believe it was like the late seventies, eighties, um, America, we couldn't win any gold medals in any like big time sports, like, like that required explosive power. Um, we did a lot of bodybuilding style training back in the seventies and eighties, because that was what made sense to us. Well, in the Soviets, they hired scientists, to come up with programming and to study the human body to create programs. Um, so there was a scientist, for example, named Yuri Verkashansky, who learned, coined the shock method. The shock method is plyometric training. That's what I talked about that earlier. Continuous jumping, bounding, things like that. Um, nervous system. Yes, exactly. Nervous system. I mean, there's muscles, there's mm-hmm. muscles in there too, but mostly it's a lot of nervous system based, a lot of tendon adaptation. But he coined that method. And of course, you know, there were steroids involved too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the Olympics and, and whatnot, but like they would, they would bring, like they would bring those methods to the table and Russia would win everything. And Louis, this guy from Westside Barbell was the first person that was smart enough to be like, I'm going to do what they're, what they're doing. Mm. Like why this stuff here is not working. I'm going to take their stuff and use it. And when he used it, this man started breaking world, like his gym started breaking world record after mm. world record after world record. And it just changed the game. Now, for powerlifting, in my personal opinion, Westside's methodology is not the best, but he inadvertently created a system that is the best for sport performance. Mm. Um, that's just my opinion. Some people would disagree with me, but that's how I view it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear you. He saw the better toast and started <laughs> making better toast here. But it's interesting how you said that you don't think his toast is the best. 
not for the sport of powerlifting, but for power lifting. yeah, powerlifting and strength conditioning are very different. I talked about that guy that could deadlift 500 or 800. Mm -hmm. He spends too much time on the force end of the curve. That's powerlifting. It's all mm -hmm. force based. It's all maximal force, but we need velocity too. We need quick explosive movements. So, so your toast is right in the middle. Precisely. Yeah. Okay. Toast right in the middle, man. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's helping me understand it. Yeah. And if I ever feel, if I ever sound, cause like I'm trying to make it a yeah, digestible, I'm trying to make this ava like available to the people that are listening. So like, if you feel like you don't understand, just ask me and I'll try to elaborate no. a little bit more. Cause this is something that could be a bit esoteric. It can be a little, it is, it is a lot. And that's why I wanted to ask you with it being a lot, but you also wanting the soccer coaches to have this type of understanding. Do you think that's possible or do you think this is just a little too much to where we actually need people like you that know just where you want your toast? So to give you perspective on that, if you start to look overseas at the clubs that are there, when I, when I finished grad school and I started like looking for universities that I wanted to apply for, because that's what I wanted to do was be a collegiate strength conditioning coach or a professional mm -hmm. one. Uh, but I just, when I did my internships and stuff, I just wasn't super happy with where the field was at. I didn't feel like I was going to be taken care of. Felt like my life was going to be really hectic. I was going to be moving all over the place, and I'd like to have a family. And I also find it more rewarding to work with kids. But anyway, that's besides the point. I get um, what you're saying, though. Overseas, they have all their soccer clubs. They have strength conditioning programs mm -hmm. early at a young age. So, like that is the next mm -hmm. big change that needs to happen here if we want to take our soccer to the next level. Is the next generation needs to be built up. We need to we need to change things. We need to lower specialization, and we need to raise general physical preparedness. Meaning make them better athletes as well as make them more talented. Um, playing a tournament every weekend is not going to help you with that. You're breaking your body down. Playing tournaments every now and then, I, I think there's value in it. But we need to find a way to prioritize these kids' athleticism. And running through a ladder is not going to do that. Mm. It's just not remotely enough. Um, at some point, you're going to need some help and so yes there are a lot of professionals around oklahoma too that know this stuff that you can go talk to um like down in clinton you got main athletic performance phenomenal gym uh downtown oklahoma city i don't remember the gym name but there's a coach down there named mahala wiggins one of the smartest guys i've ever met would highly recommend finding a professional because we want to help like of course we we all need to make money to live but like i've con i've consulted high school coaches for free I don't, I, and I'm willing to do stuff like that. I want to, I want to change things. I want to, I want to help people. Um, so if, if any of you listeners are looking to understand this better, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. I'll, I'll talk your ear off about this stuff and I'll see if there's anything I can do to help your program or help you guys out, um, with the time that I have. But yeah, I genuinely wholeheartedly believe that this is the next step towards making soccer a better sport mm. like creating improving the quality of our soccer there's too many soccer players that go play d1 they go into the weight room and they've never lifted before and like so they got to be babied it's like they're way they're advanced soccer players but they're low level athletes so um low level athletes good soccer players but low level athletes exactly and i mean they're they're that's that's not exactly fair to say because a lot of them are naturally gifted so like something that's really fascinating that I found, I get a lot of kids that come in together in pairs and there'll be soccer players and one kid may be way faster than the other kid. And as soon as we lift, they can automatically lift way more weight right out of the gate. Hmm. And so there's a correlation between 
that, if that makes sense. They're, they're, they can produce high levels of force, so they're obviously able to lift more weight. Mm-hmm. That'd be like getting Zion, like, first <laughs> gym practice, and he's just blowing out of his shoes. Yeah, exactly. gifted kids. How many kids did you know when you were a kid, too, that maybe were way ahead of the curve? And then as everybody got older, people caught up to them. Yeah. So they were already naturally fast, but they did nothing to improve that mm-hmm. level of speed. So people grew and caught up to them. Um, but then you've also probably met kids that just weren't athletically gifted that this is the piece of the puzzle that they were missing. Hmm. So like we keep the really athletic kids progressing and we keep the kids that maybe aren't as gifted, but we can make them gifted. Like I need, I, I was not some standout soccer player or standout athlete as a kid. I was above average, but like having this at an early age would have been a game changer. Hmm. I mean, there's also confidence that comes with it. Kids like when they, when they get to do, when they get to lift heavy weight, they feel good about themselves. They, they feel strong. They feel empowered. And from a psychological standpoint, you get kids that become more confident. They get more confident on the field. Which means, which changes the game. Because confidence in the sport is just a game changer. So holistically, like this, I see why you would say that this is the game changing piece of the puzzle. And shout out to Garrett and everyone at Rise. So from what he was saying, they pass on kids to you to help them improve. Am I getting this correct? Yes. And when you get kids like those, what, what, what's the first way you prepare your toast? Like when you get this like random piece of bread, like what, what, how do you, I guess you gauge it, right? Yes. Vertical jump and deadlift. I, uh, I actually use squat. I use the deadlift with me, but I use squats. It's a squat. I like barbell squats. And, and am I correct when you say you, you do the, the, was the vertical jump for those reasons of the, how it involves the nervous system as well as the strength, but it's the deadlift or the squat the opposite side of the scale that you're trying to exactly test. man so we have but so there's multiple like i had a kid come last night and i'll tell you exactly mm-hmm. how i prepared him he was a football player but it was his first day so i normally have people come in and i have a laser time sprinter and we time their like i'll time like a hill sprint and a 40 yard dash and i'll watch their sprinting technique i can learn a lot from someone's sprinting technique like if you watch their feet hit the ground and their feet spend a long time on the ground, mm-hmm. that can tell me that their tendons and ligaments aren't good at absorbing force and reproducing it. Mm-hmm. They should be springy. They should be like attacking the ground and pop, pop and exactly. pop and pop and so that gives quick bursts off the ground. Exactly. And there may be kids that can do that, but just can't produce enough force into the ground to run fast. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So I can learn a lot by watching them sprint. Um, once we're done with the sprints and I get their laser times, I'll move into a the vertical jump, and we talked about that force velocity curve. So force on one end, velocity on the other. Um, the, the vertical jump is velocity based, but it's more towards the center of the curve on the velocity end. I'll have them jump and I'll get their, like their average highest vert. And then I'll hand them like dumbbells and they'll jump with dumbbells. Cause by giving them weight, Resistance. I'm shifting the curve more towards the force end. Mm. So there's like six points on the force velocity curve. There's like maximal force, strength, speed, power, speed, strength, velocity. And I want to hit all those points. Hmm. So by giving them certain weights, I can... I'm going to give you a curve. Exactly. I can train the entirety of the curve. So I'll give them two different sets of dumbbells and record their weight. And then we'll move to the squat. I use a box squat. It's just really easy to teach. Um, and it is... You have them sit on the box and stand up. And the reason I like it is because it creates a more explosive environment. On the way down on a normal squat, your muscles lengthen like... Uh, like rubber bands. So there's like a natural spring. It's called the stretch shortening cycle that springs you upward. So with the box squat, takes it away. You have to generate it yourself. You have to create all that force by yourself from a dead position. So I do use free squats too. They're very important, but I like the box squat first. It's like entry level. It's very easy to teach. Um, So I'll test their box squat. And then 
um, I'll test their bench press. Um, their bench press is just a measurement of upper body strength. Um, that's the main thing. It's not about being functional. Functional gets thrown around a lot. Um, it's about, I'm trying to make sure their upper body is strong and it's compound movement. So I get a lot done in a short amount of time. Like I said, I only see these kids like once a week. So the more compound movements I can do, the better. Um, and then I might test like, like I've had goalkeepers come and I test their lateral jumps. Like mm. I'll put a, a, a long, um, like ruler out or something and test how far they can jump laterally. Um, I might do broad jumps. It depends on what I feel like they need mm -hmm. and where they're strong and where they're weak. I can actually test their plyometric ability too through what's called the RSI. It's called the reactive strength index. So I can see how quickly they're springing off the floor, but I'll get those numbers. Um, I usually introduce them to an app called my fitness pal so I can see their calories. I'll send, I'll give their, their parents the shake recipe. I'll have, I'll instruct them to try to drink that once a day. And then every week we come back and test a different variation. Mm. Once we get six variations, we keep cycling through and we make sure those numbers are improving. Um, that's how I handle it. So we're always improving. If we're not improving, something got, isn't getting done correctly and you're going to find out what it is, whether you, you're eating, whether you're not just doing the extra stuff somewhere, the system isn't working for some reason. Absolutely. And there, and I have a good idea of the multitude of reasons it could be. Um, but if you're I mean, my favorite saying that I ever heard, I think it was from Louis Simmons at Westside Barbell is if you're not assessing, you're guessing. Hmm. And so a lot of strength training, no one's assessing. You're just going in and lifting weights. We're working and we feel good and that's cool. But I mean, do we want to get better or do we want to feel good? And that's where you go back to working harder, working smarter. You got not it. Not guessing. What is it? If you're not, a, if you're not assessing, assessing you're guessing. guessing. Exactly. Mm. So the more that we can, we can, we can, you know, assess the better we can get. And it can be frustrating to kids because like if they're number, if they don't PR, it usually breaks their heart, but that's kind of fun because then it, it's a driving force. They're like, I want to PR. What mm. do I have to do? I guess I have to eat more. And the sooner you can realize that, if you realize it at a high school age, man, the, the sky's the limit. Mm. If you learn how to eat correctly at a young age and you learn how to train correctly, I wish I had known this stuff, man. It mm. would have changed my life. I was doing all the wrong stuff in the weight room when I played college ball and high school ball. I just went in there and got a pump and was trying to look good. And Jesus Christ, this is so mind-blowing. I This is why I like having podcasts and not really asking any before questions, just because the way that we just have been able to unpack this mm -hmm. is just precious. You're right. And I find it so mind-boggling how all of us are just trying to give our most effort 100% of the time to get better to get stronger to hit the gym to get faster to become a better basketball soccer player we just think that if we train twice a day hit the gym and just like get our way through it like Kobe Bryant did that we're all gonna get better and yeah. what I'm learning from you is that no it's not you have to it's it, there's really a science to this you can break it down by just sleeping right eating right and then maybe not having to work so hard. Maybe instead of all that effort that you're putting into all this strain, it could be repurposed to working smarter. Absolutely. Assessing and not guessing. There's a principle that I love. It's called minimal effective dosage. And what it means is the least amount of work we can do for the, for the maximum result. And that's why like, I have strength coach friends that are like, you only train your kids once a week. That is nothing. Like, that's not enough. But like, my metrics and numbers say otherwise. Mm. They're, they're improving. And once they're not, I might, I may have to up the, up it, but like, why do we need to start going four to five times a week? Like most likely they'll either a not stick with it or b burn out. So like, let's baby them into it. Let's like, let's like, let's pick a, pick something that they can handle and then show them that it works. And then they'll want to come more and go from there. A lot of these kids that come in don't think they can do what, what they end up being able to do. And it's, I've had so many parents talk to me that I had like one last night that was just like, thank you for so much, you have no idea what you've done for the confidence of my daughter. And 
I don't say that to be like conceited or to brag, but like, I mean, that's the same confidence that I got in the weight room. Like when I learned that I was capable, uh, cause I was not a confident kid, not in the slightest. The weight room is what was my, was what I used to fix that. Um, it's what helped me a great deal with my mental health and my physical health. So it's, it's a component that I think if the more coaches will be receptive to, will be willing to maybe sacrifice a little bit of that, that specialization, they'll find that their players improve greatly mm. from it. And developing kids is the name of the game. Creating the best soccer players, man, that's awesome. It's really cool. But like, we're here, we're here for these kids. We're here to help them, to help them traverse and navigate the difficult journey of life. And more than anything, more than them becoming an MLS player, or Premier League player, or college level player, we are here for these kids' future, mm. first and foremost. That's what these parents give their kids to us for. We're the tribe, and we're just trying to create better human beings for them to eventually, hopefully, pass that on to other kids and just have a cycle of it, just being good kids and whatnot. Dude, with all that you've touched on in a little bit, um, but mental health and doing this physical work, what are your thoughts on all of that? Because there's so much stuff being said around like mental health. Mental health is a huge issue, but I don't feel like we're tying in the physical activity side of it and how much benefit just being doing some workouts can be to the mental health side of it. Oh man, there's a, it's funny that you say this. So I work alongside, his name's Bo. Um, for the life of me, I cannot remember his last name off the top of my head, but he works at the boathouse. He's mm -hmm. the one who helped me get my job there. And I send all my kids to him. He's a sports psychologist. Really? Man is hyper intelligent. And a lot of people deem sports psychology and psychology in general as a weakness. Man, it's a strength. Mm. It is so important. It's becoming more important all the time. I can't tell you how many kids I've gotten come into the gym that are physical specimens, but then their parents tell me that they're just like, oh, they're not confident on the field. They don't make things happen. They're scared. And it's like, dude, if you knew what you were physically capable of doing and someone was able to tell, like convince you that you were able to do this, you could be standout. Um, but that's why sports psychology is so important. People see it as a weakness, but this guy works with OSU's wrestling program and mm. they love him. All the players love talking to this guy. These are the like cream of the crop wrestlers, the toughest, baddest dudes in Oklahoma, and they go talk to somebody about their feelings so that they can better channel their feelings. It's important. It, just like your physical health is important, your mental health is important too, and it should be treated the same way. Um, I've sent several kids to him, and I've heard all sorts of great feedback about mm -hmm. how they perform. Um, the, this this guy and I mean if, if you guys find me on Instagram mm -hmm. I can I can give you his contact information he's phenomenal I'm gonna want it <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna want it I'm writing his name down right now can I, I can, can I look him up on my phone real fast yeah, yeah, I feel do really it, do bad it, do it. about not remembering the last name but and and after all that talk about me being really good with names uh, <laughs> but you're right though that, that that sports psychology is such a big I was watching the Arsenal documentary and they highlighted a portion where one of their star players was speaking to the sports psychologist and. It is, I guess, what is it? I mean, what part of the car would you compare this to? Oh, you man. know, There's no, I mean, re in reality, I'd probably get a lot of hate from other strength coaches <laughs> for comparing a human body to a car because they're really, they're really not that much alike. It's just an analogy that I oh, yeah, use yeah, to make sense to people, but you, there, there's nothing you can compare it to. His name's Dr. Bo Leaf. It's um, the driver, I guess. Of, yeah, 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 there you go. That's, that's actually the best thing I've heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, he does, he's through Leaf Sport Consulting, but yeah. Leaf Sports Consulting. Yeah, he's, this is the guy you want to talk to. If, if your kid is, you know, a lot of parents see the potential in their kids and they're just like, man, if you could just figure out how to, how to unlock it, this is the guy to go see to help you with that. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, the more that we are willing to venture outside of just soccer, just playing soccer, of course playing soccer is important. And of course you need to do it frequently to be good at it. But the more that we're willing to address physical health and mental health at the same time, the better these players are going to be. They're going to be more responsive. They're going to be confident. They're going to be strong and physically able. Um, but, and I mean, that's really my main goal more than anything. And I know the other college, people I mentioned around Oklahoma, and I mean, there's even more. I could go on a tangent of naming. There are a lot of really good strength conditioning coaches in Oklahoma. There are tons of them. And they, they want what I want. They want to help. They want to change the game. So help us help you guys. Help, mm. us, help us help you guys change the game. And we'll, like, we'll talk your ear off. Um, I mean, it really isn't hard to implement. I'll give you an example. When I worked with Evan's Mid-America team one spring, they didn't have a whole lot of time to lift. Well, so I believe it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. I would bring a trap bar and like 225 pounds of weights. I'd bring my vertical jump mat and some bands out to a practice. And we'd, they'd be playing futsal. They'd have three teams total. Two would be playing, and the other would be off lifting with me. Games were about 15 minutes. So one person would do like a lifting routine, out, or the, the, the small team of five would do a lifting routine while the other two played. When the game was over, the team that took a break came to lift with me, and the other two played, and we did that for like an hour and 15 minutes. And after like five to six weeks, we hit records on everything. Jumps were higher. Uh, trap bar deadlift numbers were higher. Broad jump was higher. Um, not to mention for girls especially, this is probably the most important part, girls are naturally, they have less thick tendons, ligaments, and bones, mm. and weaker joint integrity, which is why they deal with ACL injuries, so they really need to be lifting weights, because mm. one of the adaptations of it is thickening it, and strengthening the ligaments, tendons, and the joints, and the muscle tissue. So like, in just 30 minutes of lifting on Tuesdays and Thursdays, one hour a week, we were able to get them stronger. It does not take that much, it really doesn't. They're like they're they're so susceptible to their genetic potential. They have a lot of genetic potential that they have not been able to unlock because they've never put their body through the right amount of stress. So, um, I can teach you guys ways to 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 give that stress in a setting that may not otherwise qualify for it. Like I'll give you some examples. Club soccer. One of the best things that you can do for your athletes that are maybe like ten to eighteen years old as part of the warm up. Add plyometrics. Like just simple plyometric progressions where they're, and like you, you'll, some of you will have to YouTube and like research what a plyometric is, but look up plyometric action. Make sure that they sprint maximally every practice at least, at least three to four times. Because by sprinting maximally, like truly sprinting maximally, make it a game, make it a race, make it hand timed or something where you know they have to give their effort. Because by doing that, we're stressing the system enough to force growth. A lot of times they'll be like, okay, sprint, and no one's really sprinting. You have to incentivize them to really work. Um, and that's on you to create that opportunity. Not every kid is willing to do that. Um, the plyometric action is stressful enough. If you've done the ladder for a long time, do, like you can still use a ladder. I use a ladder for plyometric progression, but you're jumping repeatedly through the ladder in, in lateral motions on one leg, things like that. Springy hops, that's a plyometric action. Um, the touching your feet really quickly, it's just it doesn't do anything. It really doesn't. For for high level, for kids that are like, that have done it since they were kids, it's worthless. So there's all sorts of things that you can do um, at practice to add things in to make them better athletes if they truly don't have the time. You can do isometric contractions. So uh, people use wall sits a lot. That's an isometric contraction um, that thickens and stiffens the tendons. Um, a lot of people use it like, well, it makes your legs stronger. It does, but 
Specifically, it stiffens the ligaments and tendons. So ending your workouts with isometric actions like wall sits, lunges, bridges, bridges. Yes. If you want to end and just like work the muscle, not necessarily to failure, but close to failure, then you're giving them a strength training workout and they're going to improve from it. So just by adding, if you have two practices a week, just by adding that into those two practices, you're investing small change into a portfolio that's going to grow and accrue over time. And you'll see the difference, especially in your athletes that maybe aren't as athletic. You're going to see a difference very quickly because this is the missing piece of the puzzle that they need. So, and a lot of times our coaches are too focused on the best athletes, but your weakest link breaks the chain. Mm -hmm. So help those, help those athletes that aren't the best find ways to, to benefit them because it'll benefit you in the long run. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's all sorts of creative ways that I've had to work with in different high schools and settings to make sure people are improving. And this is insane. <laughs> I just find it so... You don't need much time to do it. Um, if a player is listening to this, if a coach is listening to this, if a parent is listening to this, if a coaching director is listening to this, this is all information that they can take and use today. And I just find it so amazing how you said that you one day two days a week for 15 30 minutes can change their game dramatically it just uh it kind of just goes to show you how um we're doing a lot of the work but if we just work a little bit smarter mm-hmm. a little bit smarter we will be able to work a little bit harder uh, i don't i mean you said it yourself like where, where can they find you because you uh, it, it works it so works the, it works it works the easiest way is instagram that's what i tend to use the most i do have a facebook page but i post on my personal account. I didn't make a business account because I, f- I had a bigger audience on my personal account already. So I was just like, I'm just going to do that. To, I was looking for it yesterday and I couldn't find yeah, it. Yeah, I, I need like, to do, I need to do something. But my, my Facebook name is Eric David Brunette. Um, my Instagram is brunette underscore strength. If you know Garrett Dressel or Evan Dressel, they have my contact. Um, I don't know if I should put my phone number out on the podcast. Probably not, but yeah, Instagram but is just good yeah. enough. And I mean, I mean, if you reach out to Ricardo, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be easy to find. And I know a lot of coaches around Oklahoma because I refed soccer and played soccer. You refed as well? Yeah, I did. It was, a, it, was a, it was a hell of an experience. <laughs> How long ago was that? <laughs> oh, man. I refed from the time I was like, I think I was 12 to maybe 20. Wow. So you have eight years of outdoor refing? Yeah, and indoor. It was off and on, though. I okay. think I maybe quit. I don't really remember a lot about that. I think I quit... Mm-hmm. Some, like sometimes I'd stop, sometimes I'd go. I refed high school soccer. I refed indoor soccer. I refed outdoor. I hated it so much. You hated it? Oh my God, dude. I hated it so much, Why? man. I, I kind of enjoy I'm not thick-skinned. Or okay. I was not thick-skinned. And dude, parents, man, you guys got to get yourselves in check. Because like... Some of them are assholes. Oh my God, dude. Some of these like... I remember I ref you five, you six games, and I had parents cussing me out. That's terrible. And I'm like, bro, your kid's not even going to remember this game tomorrow. Mm-mm. Like, no one cares. <laughs> yeah. This is like, you should be trying to convince them to have fun, but you're actually teaching them, like, to be angry and to blame. Like, you're, you're teaching them bad lessons. Like, it should be, it should be fun. But now, I, nowadays, I could ref. I go out there and I think I, I've considered it just because I feel I have a different perspective. But back in the day, mm. I was an angry kid, had a lot of, uh, had mm. a lot of issues. So, like, I would be talking back to the parents and I was just stupid, man. I, I, it, it was a good experience though because it taught me respect in college I very rarely ever yelled at the ref mm. because I was like know what you're going through man I get it like yeah. I understand so and it made me respect refs that were able to maybe didn't make always the best calls but were consistent and mm. kept the game in check like that was those are the refs that I liked the most mm. um, 
But yeah, man, I had a, I, I spent all sorts of time playing soccer back in the day. It sounds like it. You were just telling me before the podcast how you remembered how Cosmos went from Moore to South Lakes and how you played at Cosmos when it first moved to South Lakes. Yeah, so initially uh, the club was in Moore and we were Milan. I was Milan for, I think, two years. Maybe it was just one year. I think it was just one year. I think I was only Milan in 2002 through three in the, when I was in the sixth grade. And then I think in the seventh, we became Cosmos, and we moved out to South Lakes. So, man, those Milan jerseys were sick. I wish that was still the case because yeah. it was like uh, – it was just like AC Milan's jerseys. They were, they were awesome. Red and black. I loved it. Yeah, and there was just the stripes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so cool. Uh, but then we became Cosmos uh, back in, like, 2003 – and that we were at South Lakes from the time that I turned 18. We had a pretty good little team too. Like if I remember correctly, uh, we were, we were pretty rock solid. Um, but yeah, played Cosmos. And then Andrew Rundell was my coach, my senior year of high school. I think he was just starting his coaching career and he got me to come out to St. Greg's. I played my first year and was just miserable. I hated it. Mm. Um, I just didn't want to take it seriously though. I didn't take anything seriously. So I quit my first year, had to make a bunch of mistakes and, um, I decided I wanted to try to play again at 22. And so I went to lunch with Andrew Rundell and he gave me my scholarship back. And man, I can't think of enough for that. It was, that set me on this trajectory. Mm. It was life changing to me. Like I owe him a tremendous amount for it. Um, and then I played at St. Greg's from 2013 to 2015 or 2012, to 2014. I can't really remember one of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had we had a really good year my junior year. We played uh, we made our conference final against USAO, which was really big for St. Greg's. Mm. I don't remember. I think it was ten or fifteen years. It had been that long, uh, but unfortunately we lost. The USAO was oh my god, they were monsters, program. dude. Like I remember, I was an outside back and just being so tired the first time we played them because we just defended the whole game. Yeah. Like they were attacking us the whole time, and it was exhausting, man. Like all those guys were. You know, in NAI, I think you can have unlimited internationals. Yeah, at so, that time it was a little bit less, uh, less, what, more lenient, I guess you can say. Yeah. There was a lot more internationals back in the day. So their team was stacked. Full, like I'm pretty, pretty confident their whole starting lineup were internationals. And uh, we had a good handful. Like our internationals were phenomenal. They were like the backbone of our team. Shout out to Steele. Oh, yeah. Shout out to my guy Jesus, who also yeah. was uh, part of that St. Greg's Oh, line. yeah. That was... Those are the boys, man. I love those guys. Mm. Hope you guys are doing well if you're listening to. Um, but yeah, we, we had a good year. It was fun. I miss it like crazy. I still dream about playing soccer all the time. I just, Sunday League is something I've been considering getting back into, but I'm worried it'll get me hurt and I won't be able to lift the way I want to lift. But it's, it's all my agenda to come back and play. So, so you have that itch that you're trying to oh scratch, God, aren't dude. you? It's, it was a part of my life for 20 years and now it's not. Mm. So I've been able to replace it a little bit with lifting and boxing, but it's not the same, not even close. So it's funny how you brought up uh, Rendell bringing you back to Cosmos. When I have guests, I always like to kind of ask what decision in their life could have changed their trajectory completely different. Do you feel like that decision to come back to play at um, St. Greg's was that one for you? Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. Like I would never have gone to college if it weren't for. I was a terrible student. I hated school. I did not. I didn't just did not resonate with me. I did not like the process of learning or test taking or anything like that. Like I went to Mount St. Mary's high school and I was like the bottom of my class. Mm. I did not study. I was terrible. So for Rundell to even give me a chance is pretty mind blowing. But because I got to play soccer, I forced my way through my basics. My basics were where I struggled. And then when I got to learn about exercise science, oh man, it was a breeze. Oh dude, it was total game changer. Like my, 
my uh, basics, I think my GPA was like a 2-1. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing exercise science, it was like a 3-3 or 3-4 or something. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, if you'd gone to my high school teachers and told them I went to grad school and got a master's degree, they would not have believed you. So after that, I was like, what the, what the hell do I do with this degree in kinesiology? I, I'm already, I already had a trainer cert. I was already a personal trainer, but I was like, I want to find something else. And at St. Greg's, we didn't have a strength coach. Um, but I found out about it online and I was like, I want to do that. I want to go teach people how to lift weights, teach athletes how to lift weights. And that's when I discovered that UCO had a program for kinesiology and I just happened to fall into the GA position. I had a class with the, the current GA and he left and recommended me for the position. And it just, it all, it's so weird how it all worked out, man. But no, if, if, if he had not given me that opportunity to come back to St. Greg's, I'm sure I'd be doing fitness, but I would not have had the opportunity to meet the people that I got mm. to meet to teach me things. I, I met some coaches that are just, there's one at OU, his name's Zach Brulette. Man, this guy was so intelligent. Just like, like the way he approached strength conditioning and the way he like was thinking outside the box and taking care, he worked with OU soccer. Hmm. And the way he thought outside the box, I mean, it was really cool. It opened some doors in my mind and allowed me to, to like to change stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he's a humble guy, so he probably wouldn't like, he probably would wouldn't tell you otherwise. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, he like to give you an example, doing plyometric action, he would, he showed me like changing direction in the air as a plyo. So jumping straight, twisting, and then landing and then jumping straight like this. So you're like kind of maybe exposing your body to some forces that could cause you trauma at the knee. And like, that's just one example. He showed me many, but that was one that really stuck out. I was like, man, that's really smart. Mm-hmm. I did that with the Mackey girls that summer that I worked with them because he showed that to me. Um, but no, it was invaluable. I can't think of enough for it because I don't know where I would be. Like I have no idea. I'd probably just be a personal trainer at a gym training normal people, which there's nothing wrong with, but I'm glad that I, I'm grateful that I got to go down the path mm-hmm. that I got to go down. And the path that you're taking is really cool too. I, I love how you are deciding to do this as opposed to going and working at a place like that, because maybe this way you can impact a little bit more people. You, maybe you can be more impactful into the soccer community, taking these one or two kids or three or four kids and one, you know, one hour a day for many, many kids. That's a lot of people that you're impacting, dude. So I wholeheartedly think that you're doing doing it right. So I really want to see you keep doing that because I appreciate and it, man. see you. Hopefully, people take this in, digest it, try to learn from it, reach out to you, ask you some more questions. Because yeah, I you seem like you're going to be willing to help out anybody. Go Absolutely. out to a high school program and maybe teach these coaches players how to take care of themselves, which I think is probably one of the most important parts of it all is resting and taking care of yourself oh, yeah. on top of the load that you're doing. This has all been really insightful for me, so I've definitely learned a lot. And I am going to try to implement some of it. The one thing that feared me, that I feared the most when you said was the, you finding out what I'm eating. <laughs> because, dude, that's the one, that's probably the, on top of me not doing enough exercise, is the worst part of it, too. I'm also a terrible sleeper because I have a four and a three-year-old that, you know. Oh, yeah. But eating is also, like, one of my biggest, 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 biggest uh, kryptonites, I guess you can say. I don't know whether that's just because I like to eat or at this point I'm just like addicted to some of these foods Dude, that I'm eating. You're a human being, man. Like you're like, I don't eat perfectly. Mm-hmm. I try to eat well 70% of the time, but like food gives off a chemical reaction in your brain. That's similar to doing drugs. Like we've created. Addicting. That's yes. why I use that word. And I mean, oh, people, some people are really hard on themselves for it, but like it's, it's a process. It's a mm-hmm. lifestyle change. You're not going to just, a lot of people like when they're trying to get fit and healthy, 
It's like they're driving a car down the highway at 100 miles an hour, and then they just crank the wheel in the opposite direction. Mm. Instead of get off the highway, stop at a rest stop, turn around, get on the highway, go in the other, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, break yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah. You're a human being. You're allowed to make mistakes. Like, you, those mistakes don't control you. You control those mistakes. So, like, by sub subtly implementing small changes and forgiving yourself when you do make mistakes. That's mm. the biggest thing is people will make mistakes and be like, oh, I blew my diet. It's over. No, you didn't. You just made a mistake. <laughs> you mm. did what humans do. You did a very normal thing. So just try again. Try a little harder. Mm. Where did it go wrong? Why did you break that? Why did you feel the need to break your diet? You know what I mean? Like, let's come to the root of this and then we can progress. So, you know, I never judge anybody, dude. Like, I mm. like I, I don't eat perfectly all the time. I try really hard to. I try to, to live what I preach, but I've also recognized that I'm a human being and mm. that making mistakes is normal. And that goes for sports, too. Like... That goes for everything. It goes for life, in my opinion. So hold yourself to a high standard, but understand your human limitations and work to pass them, you know? Have some cheat days in between, bro. I like your but, case, by the way. Oh, I appreciate it. Oh, man. I have, I'm a Dragon Ball fanatic. Are you, dude? So, yeah, yeah, Are we about got, to show off tattoos? Oh, yeah. I've got that this, one's sick. I like that one. Goku here. That was a big... I know a lot of people find it silly, but that was a big inspiration for me growing up. Like Dragon Ball, as like a nine and eight year old kid watching this, like the molds you, dude. Those are though they impacted us so. Because I did all exactly what you're saying. Because who else taught us to be kind to others like you are? To defend your friends as much as you can. To work hard. You might not have a chamber that you can bump up the gravitational <laughs> force to take while you're going to Planet Namek, yeah. but like basically work hard. And what other attributes would you I mean, want? I mean, just being that? being strong, but teaching other people to be strong, and understanding that like you're not strong so that you can hurt people. You're strong so you can lift people up. You mm. know, that's that's the nature of of being a human. And I try. I love anime in general. I'm a huge anime fanatic. Like I could go on for days. But I try really hard to get my young kids to watch anime, like especially shows like Dragon Ball or like Naruto mm -hmm. or like one piece or something where the the main character is yes, a growth a, oh dude i love one piece man yes uh is the main character is striving towards something yes and has good values because it right. helped me a lot it was so inspiring to me as a kid it's one of the big reasons i got into training mm. um and it seems silly because like to a lot of people it's a cartoon but like man uh, it's it's the messages that it sends and the never give up mentality standard shonen uh protagonist yes right there. absolutely man. i try to i like to talk to older people because obviously the younger generation are a little bit more you know uh, warmed up to anime oh for sure so I'll, I'll ask like my boss or my older co-workers i'm like hey do you guys watch anime and they're just like what why and i'm why why do you watch anime and i try to explain it to them that what you see being acted on tv is done a thousand times better with the animation absolutely they're able the to tell these stories the, the music the I can't explain to people how many uh, Dragon Ball. I like Dragon Ball because that's the uh, it's the first. Mm -hmm. It's my first it's one that I watched. It's it. what got me into it. But I cannot compare Dragon Ball to Naruto, no, or Shippuden. These shows that go deep into these character character developments. When they kill people, it hurts our soul. We cry whenever Jiraiya died or whenever oh, yeah. any of these people died. That that shit hurt. Absolutely. And then I tried to tell them the next level was like, well, now you need to give One Piece a try. And they're just like, dude, how am I going to give One Piece a try? That thing is a thousand. I read it. Yeah, that, that thing, yeah they're gonna be, that's a thousand six hundred 
four. That's what one thousand episodes. One thousand six hundred and four. Is that where we're at? So chapters one thousand sixty four. I think episode we're on like a thousand thirty something or sixty. I don't remember. I didn't watch it. I read it because yeah. I read it during the pandemic. I've you I read watched, it all during the pandemic. It was an easy read. It didn't take me long. It took me two no, months. No, not when you're addicted to it. Like oh, that. dude, you couldn't put. I couldn't put it down. But compared to watching it, like I'm actually watching it with my wife. Watching right now. it can get hard. Oh, dude, the animation studio is Toei Animation is. They are cash grabs, so they like to make yes. a lot of filler, do stuff like that. But no, I mean, Dragon Ball had Dragon Ball created the trajectory for those mm. animes, like, and that's what that's what I love about it. And there's still a lot of good messages. Like, I would argue that Vegeta, in my opinion, has one of the best growths yes. as a character in all of anime. Yeah, because Goku's going backwards. He's Goku's almost uh, he's stagnant. Yeah, he yeah. has a problem. <laughs> he has a problem. He's getting us into some danger. But no, but I would also agree that he Vegeta has had more character development than Goku. And it's almost sad to see how they do him wrong every arc. Oh yeah. And people at times don't will, let him win. Oh, dude, yeah, so they'll think like this is this is the time. Like oh look, ultra ego. It is, it's his time to shine, and we're just like no just guys, sorry. They're just gonna give Goku a Sasuno, and he's just gonna take out this Moro guy by himself. <laughs> oh, so you've read the manga too, man. Yeah, you're dude, a, you're a big fan. Yeah. Yes. Dude. Yes. I'm, yes. My, look, I'm heartbroken right now. I got this the other day. Oh, that is so sick. Yeah. That is so sick. Goku and a Gohan. It's still healing, but. Yeah, I've been wanting to get a piece, and I was like, look, that's my son, and that's... <laughs> that's so dope, My son was like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. I've got a couple other anime tattoos planned. I'm a big... Hunter Hunter is my second favorite. Dude. Like, I, and that, that manga comes back. I want to get a, a Netero tattoo, the, the old... Like, I like him because he's this old man that still trains, and he still, like, like aspires to be hmm. something, but he's like, man, he's like 120 years old, but he's still, like, he's a boss. He's a monster, and I love that. That inspires me. Like, that's stuff that makes me want to, hmm. like continue forward and continue working and seeing where I can go. And I, I recognize for kids, it may not be that way. I've recommended it to some kids and like, this is stupid. And I'm like, all right, well, my feelings are hurt. I but mean, but what, what else would you watch? It's either watch that or watch SpongeBob yeah. or LA, you know, Sesame Street. Like we actually, I guess, got some things that are, that helped us become better people. You know what Absolutely. I mean? You brought up Hunter Hunter. I watched that last year. I didn't read it. I watched it. Oh, dude, the Madhouse interpretation is amazing. I have a lifting group in the morning of of younger guys that I lift with um, and we we always we show up at 6.30 in the morning we have our pre-workout we watch anime and we're watching Hunter right now um, what so arc are you at? we're in Chima uh, the Chimera Chimera and yeah, that the one king so was just born so <sighs> that one that arc is crazy I don't know is. what arc was the crazy that one by far tops the cake just because of the way that it ends it builds up kind of slow but the ending is crazy the other one that I liked was I don't know if it was the second arc or the third arc but basically the one that Gon isn't basically the main character. It's Kurapika. Oh, and Kurapika goes over the yeah. spiders and he takes him out. I'm just like... That one... The one thing that worries me about Hunter x Hunter is just the limitless amount of powers. Oh, that can happen. Yeah, anything can happen. And Dragon Ball Z kind of has a cap. And now mm -hmm. they're just kind of coming up with things. Just oh, dude, Dragon Ball's out of control. But I'm here for it. Give me whatever. Give yeah. me whatever wacky... Like the new movie, Gohan's form. Like, it's so... It doesn't make any sense, but... In that's reality, what we're here for yeah, if you're I'm, expecting something different see, you're you're exactly. not you're not a true fan i just want to see where dragon ball can go i i'm i'm content with whatever story like the the newest dragon ball movie if i think about it objectively i thought it was good really if i think about it objectively it was stupid but if i think about it subjectively in my own opinion i loved it i, I had it so much fun great. but like when you think about like 
this human is capable yeah. of creating these androids that like are as strong as like ultra instinct goat. Like what the yeah. fuck? How does that make any, but I don't care. I'm here for it. Give it. They're there to sell toys. They're there. They're there to, to, you know, for money and that that's fine. I'm so attached. These are the first characters I was ever attached to. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, I want to grow up. I kind of grew up with them. I grew up alongside Gohan and like all of that. So like, I want to see kind of where mm-hmm. they go. I've, I've grown attached to them. If we gave you the pen, where would you take the series? Oh man, that's hard, dude. That's a hard answer. Um, I think you want me to tell you where I think I would like for it to go. Yeah, you tell me, and then I'll tell you. I would love to, and they teased this a little bit. If they kind of like branched out and just had everyone go on their own mission, I would love to see Vegeta go to Universe Six. Oh yeah, that for would sure. be sick. To I have think that's gonna. I personally think that's gonna. Happen. I hope so. Because they I foreshadowed. So. <laughs> they foreshadowed a lot. Like like in the Broly movie, like Vegeta talked about, how scared he was of Frieza achieving a new form, and mm. you've read the manga. Like mm-hmm. now, now he's black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now he's black. Yeah, he's he's crossed over, man. And but his brother's cooler. Oh damn! See, we need to see him. No, that's and, the joke. Yeah, you I don't... know, I know. <laughs> that's why I was like, it's too cold, too cold. But no, I would like. I think we'll see that because Super has foreshadowed a lot. Yeah. Like it, it's not. It's it's pretty bad writing, but it's also there's been moments like Ultra Instinct was foreshadowed in the very beginning. Mm. That's cool. Um, black Frieza was foreshadowed in the Broly movie. Gohan's form was foreshadowed in the Tournament of Power. Even I want to see them maybe over Frieza maybe overtake the gods because oh, that was kind of shadowed as well. That was kind of I love as well. Frieza as an antagonist. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best. I would be so down with him being the main. I know that a lot of people in the community would not be happy about mm-hmm. it, but Frieza, man, he's space Hitler. He's mm-hmm. as evil as it gets. Like I would love to see him. I love his like his include inclusion. Frieza's a racist, dude. dude yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. He just calls him monkeys and everything. He's just a legit racist. He's he's a monster villain, yeah. and I love him. Like Goku's a flat character in a good way. Frieza's a flat character in an evil way. Mm-hmm. Like they both, they're not capable of development. Like that's they're true. both just stuck in there. But that's what makes them great. That's what makes them great opposing Clash forces. But no, Frieza being uh, the main antagonist, I know would make a lot of people mad in the community. But I think he'd be great personally. And just watching him come in and dust Goku and Vegeta and dust gas was oh so hyped. Yeah. Me and my my buddy and I like we always keep up with it. And mm-hmm. the second that chapter came out, we were calling each other like, "This is what we've been waiting for." Touching base on the twentieth yeah. of every month. Oh yeah, <laughs> calling dude. each other. Wait until the leaks come out. But I just want the series to continue. That's yeah. all I care about. And I know we have a couple of seasons coming out. Mm-hmm. I've really found myself watching a lot of seinen anime. I don't know if you're familiar with like Vinland Saga, Berserk. No, but uh, I've heard great things oh, about them. Oh, dude. Talk about... Uh, like, the stuff that we liked about Naruto, Dragon Ball, stuff like that as kids. Hmm. Vinland Saga, Berserk. This is the same thing, but in an adult format. Hmm. I, for, for adults, I would highly recommend those two. I don't think I'd recommend them for a youth audience. They're pretty heavy. Yeah. Heavy to, material. But. Or try to recommend One Piece, and then they go to Chapter 1, or watch Episode 1. Yeah. You can't compare Episode 1 to Episode 1000. Not even close. The series goes off on a on a great tangent I love it dude like all of that stuff like One Piece was such a pleasant surprise for me because I watched it a lot growing up and I kind of liked it but I hated on it a lot I was a purist Dragon Ball fan mm. and <laughs> I, I got into reading it over the pandemic and I was like man I slept so hard on this series this is like one of the best written series I've ever read and so, you're watching it now right? yeah I'm, I'm trying to I want to understand the lore I like to be able to talk about it with my friends so yeah. like I read it but I don't understand a lot. You have like to watch it. Hockey's dude. confusing. Uh, there's a lot of components of the series, like the different types of devil fruits. Mm. Um, and I mean, Oda is a genius writer. He's dude, a genius. You want to talk and, about foreshadowing? Yeah, that dude. guy writes the book. So I mean, he is a great writer, and like I want to understand the series like I do Dragon Ball. Like I can, I'm confident in my ability to talk about Dragon Ball because mm-hmm. I know a lot about it. But I want to have that knowledge 
on One Piece. One Piece. And I have that on Hunter too. I've watched Hunter like six times. Hmm. I watched it with my mom. She's really? she, yeah, and she cried multiple times. She loved it. Did like, Naruto? What was it? What is that? I forget the old man's name, but Nero. Nero against the king. Oh, that's <laughs> such a hype fight, dude. dude. There was. I don't think there's a fight that's done that to me in such a long. Maybe the Naruto Sasuke against in the first main fight in Baruto Ooh, did that for yeah. me. But that fight was just. It was, it was grand, and then and the way the king went out too was so. It just made me feel good. It, dude, it was it was kind of heartbreaking. But I liked that. What I liked about Hunter was that they flipped the shonen formula on its head. They teased mm. this like in a normal shonen, it'd have been like gone versus the king. Yeah. But instead, the king found humanity, mm. and like that was beautiful. It was truly like very sentimental. Mm. And I know I have friends that hated that. They were like, "Oh, that's so stupid. That's so lame." And like, I love fighting. That's why I watch anime. But like. Hunter was the one of the first anime that made me like kind of how Naruto did for you because mm. I watched all of Naruto after Hunter, mm. um, and but Hunter made me think outside mm. the box. It's not just about the fights; it's about the the storytelling, the like emotional impact, and like the way that they make these characters human. Dang! And then you watched Naruto, which was kind of like a mixture of both. Yes, right. Mm. Yeah, Naruto was good, man. I, it was a hard watch though because there's so many episodes and there's a lot of filler, a lot of flashbacks. But man, I had some moments in that series that were very impactful. Like Itachi, I still believe is one of the best characters in all of anime. I, I, I was did. I was having this theory with somebody else. Who I believe I, I told him I think Itachi intentionally kind of just gave it to Sasuke in that fight. Oh yeah, like he he, he could have won. He could have won, but he he kind of just you know kind of gave his little brother the, the W. He saw he said you know what you're strong enough you can do it. I'll let you take me out because. That those first five minutes where he comes in, stabs him from behind, and then nope, you're in the trance the whole time, dude. Yeah. Just, I was just like, what? Dude, the that was so hype. Oh my god, I love that. And then Obito's backstory. Yes, that was gut wrenching, dude. Like that yes. was truly like that was one, that's one of my favorite episodes. The final fight with Naruto versus Sasuke is, in my opinion, top five anime fights of all time. Mm. I love that the, fight. The Naruto or Shippuden? Shippuden. The oh, final okay. one there. I love that fight so much. That one was good. It was built up really well um the choreography was really beautiful mm-hmm. i loved it man what um, do you think about this theory i had heard that shippuden was supposed to end after the pain arc and i i, I see how they could have yeah you know they had more things to kind of build up but i had originally heard that pain's arc was the ending of it and the great ninja war was just kind of like the the added extra and then of course the ending fight but when i was looking at it kind of digesting it all i could kind of see why pain's arc would be the last one when the ending of it really and i loved it was kind of fan service you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying oh, yeah. it gave us all that we wanted from that we had missed out from the first quarter three quarters of it and then yeah but it still did it's, it good it's man. tough for me to say because like i'm not as educated on naruto as i am like like dragon ball for example dragon ball is supposed to end in the first arc with the pilaf saga and then it was supposed to end after frieza and they just kept like that's it, how they're doing the demand, it now, huh? yeah. So like that's why it keeps going. No foreshadowing. Um, so yeah, exactly. It's just building, but that's it is what it is. Like we talked about, yeah. like you're a true fan because we love the show. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I there's some mixed feelings about the war arc. I would have never got to see Madara just destroy that army. That mm. that is one of my favorite like mm. little sequences. I think our guy oh, going yeah, into Madara too. Seven, yeah, that was so awesome, dude. And I will I will say too, Boruto gets a lot of hate. I love it. I read it. I can't I, watch yeah, it. I, I yeah, watch it. because you're not watching it. The canon material, I watch it. Yeah. And I read it. And I actually think it's good writing. Like, I genuinely believe that it's as good as it can be. I feel like, whereas Dragon Ball doesn't try in a lot of regards, Boruto is actually trying to create a cohesive story. Hmm. Just my my observation. I'm not saying that's correct. But, like, we're, you know, we're still talking about the, uh, what are they called? The 
the Otsuki. I don't know. I can't say that. Those aliens. Yeah, that are the, yeah. In. We're building into that, and I mean, I like that this new arc seems to have some influences from the Android Saga and Dragon Ball. You know, we have these like yeah. three or two Android kids that are overpowered. I don't know. I just I love shonen anime in general. That's kind of so. like the thing that I don't like about Baruto is how these out of nowhere just overpowered people are just coming out of nowhere and yeah. the technology is just kind of ruining it i think it just kind of it, it probably won't get up to shippuden but you know we don't know yet we Dude, don't know yet it, as long dark. as people watch it it's going to go forever i hope that one piece when it ends will just end i hope that there will be no more i hope there will be like they won't do like a one piece shippuden or whatever yeah. the series is perfect just end it, it and maybe maybe oda can just write something else if he wants to do it because yeah. you know he could create another masterpiece but one piece needs to just exist in its like purity you know what i mean who's your favorite character of the crew and if you were piece? one of the crewmates which one of the crewmates would you be oh man it's really it's a hard tie between luffy and zoro which i know is a really generic answer but like i yes. like i don't know i i like how i like that luffy's va i like luffy and mm -hmm. like his his values in people and like how he's i like the purity in it the innocence like i I, I like that a lot but i like zoro's tenacity like i like that he's like how much he trains that like watching those characters train makes me want to train. Mm. So like I enjoy that stuff and like Zoro's always training. Dude's always lifting always weights, training. always doing something. Doing finger push-ups with dumbbells on his legs, oh, whatever yeah. it might be. He's doing some crazy stuff. But Would it ruin it for you if you ended up finding out that what made Luffy special was the devil fruit and not just him himself? No, not necessarily. Because I mean, I, I've seen that argument online too because of the newest, like, you know, his Because he's Joy Boy. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know, man. I The series as a whole is just great. And I think I haven't had enough time to speculate in One Piece. That's why some people yeah. are upset is they've been with it since day one. So they've been speculating and creating week these things. Week. And like I read it all in 2020. So like I didn't. I haven't had time to speculate. You're like, catching up to all these yeah, arguments, aren't you? I've speculated on Dragon Ball. So like Gohan's form is I, I hate it personally yeah but I, he was always teased that the word the human the half-breed human sands were always you know hyped up to be the best. always stronger and and, and all i want is an explanation i wish yeah. dragon ball would just explain that to me i like i hate that we're left to explain it it does make it fun to talk about but like it just felt a little bit unearned and like it came out of nowhere like piccolo stuff i loved yeah. it like, for example, like Piccolo using the Dragon Balls to do the Namekian mm -hmm. um, awakening. I thought that was a cool twist. And then his form, they didn't explain it in the movie, but there's... That like, makes sense. His it kind of makes sense. His, his orange form, so I'll give you some of my Dragon Ball lore here, if you don't already know this. No, no, no. So, in, back in like 2010, there was an online game that came out called Dragon Ball Online. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it was written by Toriyama, the writer. And there, in, on Namek, they had this tree for the warrior clan of Namekians that grew oranges hmm. or like a fruit and it was orange. And if you ate it, it made you really powerful. So like Piccolo's orange form was taken from that, hmm. but they didn't explain it. And I'm like, dude, if you'd explain that, like that would have been suit. Like it would, it a lot of the fan base is like, well, he just wished for power. And it's like, no, this is hmm. like, this is a Namekian trope that existed a long time ago. And I, I wish of life yes kind of thing. It's, I wish they had taken I wish they had explained that because it would have given it more value because I loved Piccolo getting mm. the spot he's one of my favorite characters and they did him dirty and super 
They did do him dirty. Like, but I think they did him justice in this movie yes, by giving him a did. lot of time. I enjoyed the back and forth of him having to, you know, babysit. And then they take... Oh, yeah. And yeah. then they're like, all right, we're going to play this joke on Gohan to see if he turns up like we want him to. Yes. And Pan the whole time was just like... You know, it was kind of like an inside joke between them. That was what I, I enjoyed that. the most about the movie. And I liked the androids. I liked Gamma the 1 and Gamma 2. They, yes. were, they were great. Cell Max, eh, I don't have an opinion on it. It was fun. Yeah. I, I was worried it was going to be some kind of kaiju force of nature. If they retell it in the anime, I hope they'll let him become perfect and make it, you yeah, know. It almost gave me Bio Broly vibes. It definitely did. I was like waiting to see the perfect cell. Like, is he going to absorb one of these androids and turn into like the yeah. perfect cell form? Which I would have thought would have been even doper too. But. If, if they retell it in the anime, I bet they'll do it though. I bet they'll like, they'll change. You remember how they did it in Super? Super. They changed some of the stuff. I think they'll do it. And that will, that'll surprise a lot of fans and it'll make yeah. them happy if they do it. But no, I, I, I love Dragon Ball, dude. It's yeah. my forever hype. Like, have you ever watched Heroes? You yeah, ever watched- I watched a few, but man, after like episode seven, I was like, dude, this is, this is too much for me, man. This so is wild. Even like, that, I still love it. Like, it's great. You got the regular Goku, then you got future Goku, and then there's Xeno Goku, and then I'm losing track of who's who. And It's not good. It's horrible, honestly. Like, objectively, it's terrible, but I love these characters, and yeah. I like seeing them, and like... It doesn't make sense. It's just like an ADHD. It's just, it's fan service. Yeah, basically, this is like on steroids, seven minute hits of just like just nonsense. Dragon Ball Z, Dragon yeah. Ball Z, and that was me as like a nine year old kid. I was creating those wacky stories, so it feels. I I enjoy it. I'm not gonna tell you it's good. I'm not gonna be like, yeah, yeah. You, you have to watch this. Like, but that's the level of fanatic of yeah. Dragon Ball that I feel like I'm at. But I don't feel super educated on like One Piece and stuff like that. So like. I, I like to listen to other people's opinion on it because then I can put in like what you just said with Joy Boy and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I mean, that's... You have to watch it, dude. Yeah. Uh, where are you at when watching the anime? I mean, I've read it all, but I'm on... We just finished the Alabasta arc. Alabasta arc? So, I mean, it's, Man. it's a hard watch, dude. It, like, that was 145 episodes. Yeah, that's a long arc. It was good, but I got kind of bored. I, I didn't like the way they took out Crocodile. He seemed really OP for him to get beat by just a little bit of water. Yeah, the blood. You know and what stuff. I mean? But uh, I mean, I will say, at knowing where the series goes makes me like it more. That so the first time I watched Hunter Hunter, I really didn't like it because mm. I came from Yu Yu Hakusho, mm. and I was like, this shit, this is fire. I yes. love this. Mm. But Hunter was boring. I was like, there's a lot of exposition. There's not mm. a lot of fighting. And when I finished it and rewatched it, I was like, oh, well, he like planted these seeds. Like, so like going back and rewatching it, I'm enjoying it a lot more than when I first read it. Hmm. Water seven was the arc that made me realize that one piece was the goat. Goated. Yeah. I was like, when I read water seven, I was like, this is, that's the- when Frankie come. That was, yeah. Frankie comes in and Robin joins the crew hmm. and like that. And like all the pieces from the earlier arcs were brought so that's in. When like it the giants. That's when I understood what one piece was. That's when, when it felt starts like getting great. Yes. And then after water seven is the, when they go take, when they go try to get Robin back. I think it's the war arc, isn't it? No, the water seven and Ina's lobby, I think are the, I, I consider them the same yes. arc. Like all like from water seven to Ina's lobby, when they get her back, that's when I was like, I get what One Piece is. Goated. One Piece is like these characters they're bringing in were characters that were from a hundred episodes ago that they made significant. I'm just like, this is genius. I love mm. it, and that's what yeah, that's what made me realize. I'm like, yeah, this is one of my favorite things I've I have pieces of, fi- of fiction mm. that I've watched. What are the so, moments that you're looking forward to seeing animated? Oh, definitely Joy Boy. Joy Boy moment. Anything, yeah, I can't wait to see that animated. But and, I'm excited for you to see. Go, go ahead, tell me. Oh, tell me. and Shanks like using his hockey and knocking out that general. Yeah, that one's gonna really be good hype. to see. Oh my god, that one's gonna be so hype. cool. So cool. I'm excited for you to see. Uh, have you seen the Gekko Moria arc? You haven't seen that. Have yeah. You? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Wait, Gekko Moria is the 
That's like the haunted Halloween one, yes. isn't it? Yeah, I've seen that. I think Zorro's moment was top. Where like, he gets the Oh yeah, dude. That absolutely. that one right there. Yeah, that was super hype. Like that was that was a that was a tear jerking moment for me. And then the one I, I loved I think my favorite scene in all of One Piece, all of it, is when the celestial dragon gets is punched. like making fun of or like the octopus guy uh-huh. shoots him. I can't remember his name, Hachi, I think. Uh-huh. And Luffy punches him in the face. That's mm. when I when I think of what One Piece is as a series, it is that and that. Well, I I read this comment and it was super funny, man. It showed the it showed the celestial dragon. You know, it makes it black and white, and they're like they punch this dude back. So into the hard and made an anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He punches so hard and made him into an anime. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that that top tier moment right there. The one that you have to see too is like uh, even if you have to go back to one episode, is whenever Luffy walks up to in between Kaido and Big Mom. To see the scabbards all beat up and whatnot, that fight Ooh, when they yeah. first go back just to watch that. Oh, episode. I've watched that episode like four times. I look, oh, I got yeah. goosebumps. Oh yeah, dude. Goosebumps. I know it. I, like when that episode aired, I, I love. I use anime as a pre workout. So as yeah. someone who's getting into working out, I will tell you this was the best weapon for me. Is like I'm not telling. I'm not suggesting you take pre workout because I mean there's no long term studies on it. There's all sorts of issues, but I like it. And make I make your really, face itchy, maybe. Yeah, you know? but that's beta. I can explain that <laughs> stuff, but like, it's still, if you're a heavy caffeine user, you should not use pre-workout. Mm. But if you don't, it doesn't hurt. I like to drink pre-workout and watch an episode of anime that gets me hype. Mm. It's almost like a reward to myself mm. to exercise. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets you kind of in the mindset. So like, we, I used to just watch random stuff, like random fights, random moments, but I now just watch series. Like right now I'm watching Mob Psycho and like Chainsaw Man, mm-hmm. stuff like that. The Some of these newer shonen. But like, that's a weapon, man. It was for me anyway, for training. Because I, even though I lift six days a week and this is my job, I'm not motivated all the time. No. I don't want to lift all the I'm dead. I, w- I woke up this morning at like 6.50 and I was like, I have to go lift with like five other people in program form. And I was like, I just want to sleep in. I'm mm-hmm. dead. My body hurts. But like knowing that I'm like, oh, I get to just go drink some C4, like a can of C4 and watch. Uh, pop a mind cycle in. Yeah, exactly. Like, in. I, it, it helps. So yeah. like as, as someone who's getting into working out, highly recommend giving that a shot. Because like a pre-workout takes 30 minutes to hit and anime is 20 minutes long. So Maybe it's like, go, huh? yeah, dude, you're golden. And I mean, 10 gyms right down there. I assume that's probably where you go, right? No, I, I was actually looking for a gym today. I live on 59th and Penn. So I think the closest one I have also, is the Anytime Fitness ooh, anytime, on yeah. 59th and May. But I mean, yeah. I have to figure out when I can go. Probably in the morning. I used to do my running in the morning, but it's getting too cold for that. But gotcha. that's just an excuse. I and I do I do virtual programming too. So if you ever want help with that stuff, like I have like nine people that I program for. I write their programs. They come see me once a mm. month. I test their numbers and then I write them a program. And we talk about goals. They go off, do the program for four weeks and they come back and see me. We retest, we reevaluate. I mean, I have people... I have like nine, ten people, I think. I've got a girl in Croatia that's a rower that does it. I've got a master's level rower in like Wyoming that does it. And then I have a lot of people locally that come see me. Some of them are older adults. Some of them are young. I mean, so if that's ever something that you're interested in, like I'd love to help you out. Let's do it. I would love to see the process and how you go about all of it. And I think it'd be great if I documented it too. Of course, dude. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing, man. I'd be so down. And then, I mean, dude, we need to hang out and watch some anime. Dude, I'm (laughs) down. I'm down. I remember when uh, the Tournament of Power was going down. I would get together with my friend and be like, hey, dude, it's going down this weekend when the Tournament of Power with Dragon Ball Z was That was top, top tier. I can't wait till it comes back. When it inevitably comes back, one of my favorite videos online that I saw of it was in Mexico. They were watching the final fight, and there's just like a Billions whole of people, crowd, of yeah, thousands, tons thousands. of people watching this fight and screaming. And I'm just like, I love how 
anime can do that. Yes. When I was a, we talked about when we were kids, I'd been made fun of for watching anime. That isn't that. I had terrible? to do it in secret. I had to like. I was like, I didn't tell people I watched anime or played video games, but obviously everybody was doing it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be this popular now. Now it's the cool. And thing. now, yeah, I'll have kids show up that are like football players that are wearing an Itachi shirt, and I'm like, right, bro, you bro, weren't there I, when yeah. it was hard. Was you like, weren't you there when get, we were you don't understand. Fun. No, we yeah. were out there by ourselves. No one in class talked about it. No one understood why we would stay up till 11 a.m. because tsunami would play. Uh, what was it that you just mentioned? Uh, Bang! Um, your favorite one? I forgot. I'm blanking. It's oh, Yu Hakusho. Yu, Yu Hakusho yeah. would come on in eleven. Oh, as well as Yasha, Yasha as well as oh, Death Note. Like we were sitting these... on the swing like Naruto. Like, nobody real sad because nobody, no one, no one understood, man. But yeah, it's I like how how culturally relevant it is. Yeah. I had a kid start with me a couple weeks ago with a water bottle came in littered with One Piece stickers. Really? Oh yeah, and I was like, oh, dude, such a nice gonna, break. Yeah, I was like, we're gonna hit it off, and like he didn't like to lift, and I was like, well, listen, man, just like. Like, you're these characters in One Piece. He loves Zoro. I'm like, that dude's always lifting weights. Now this kid loves to lift. He was like, whoa. Now he, now he wants to show up all the time, and, like, he's huh. interested in training. It's like, it can be motivating. There's nothing wrong with finding motivation outside, mm. of, um, outside of your everyday life. Like, not even the best aren't always motivated. Mm-hmm. So, And for me, like, real people are motivating. Don't get me wrong. But these fictional characters that do, like, absurd things, I'm like, I want to do that. That's crazy. Like, yeah. that's, that's the stuff that, like, hypes me up the most. Put a picture of uh, Saitama up in your gym and see yeah. how many people jump Bro, through the roof. Let's go, man. Oh, I'm going to have a whole, like, wall of manga panels yeah. up on... Uh, I have a new shop being built in Blanchard. And when it's done, man, I'm just going to be a big nerd. Like, I'd like to do some streaming in it. Like, I'd like to stream some workouts. There's stuff I'd like to do. And maybe I'll get around to it. Maybe I won't. I stay pretty busy. But... But that's I where we're heading. I think you should. Yeah, I'd like to, man. It's hard, dude, because I also want to have a real life. Mm. That's the hard part. I'm sure you know. You're trying to, you have, you love doing this, and you're making this happen. But like, I want to be. I want to have time to spend with my kids when they when they come around. My wife and I have a lot of dreams and a lot of goals, but sometimes it's hard to get around all of them. Mm-hmm. But it, it what works out works out. You know what works out works out, so, man. You almost have to make it a part of your life because if you uh, wait until you're ready for it, it'll never happen. Exactly. So. Yeah, man. I'm like, it's I like I can't thank you enough for letting me come on the show. And dude, this was fun, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was feel great. Bad dude. for the I, listeners that don't like anime, dude. We well, just, we did it at the right time. We right. got through all the all, all the, the good all, stuff. The, all the the meat potatoes and saved the toasted bread for last. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, uh, we the real stuff is at the end. Hopefully, we didn't burn the toast with the <laughs> anime talk, dude, and left it golden brown. But oh man, the the. the I don't know what the demographic is that you have to listen, but the the soccer coaches and stuff they tuned out. But I bet the bet the kids got in on that. You never know, dude. So, and I'll, all I'm saying is, if you ever want to do some kind of anime type podcast, I'd love to do that. No, if down. there's ever something that you wanted to do with that, I, I haven't had a chance to sit down and talk to somebody with them. I had someone last podcast, but um, yeah, you obviously know your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> a little a little bit here and there. I, there's stuff that I could learn, but like your knowledge on Naruto and stuff, like I don't. I'd like to know more about it mm-hmm. so I can talk about it. But Dragon Ball and like Hunter are really the only anime I feel educated on enough to really talk about at a, like a high level. So, but I mean, I, I listen to other people that do it, mm-hmm. and every now and then they'll mess stuff up with Dragon Ball. I'm like, wait, that's not right. What you said's wrong. Yeah. That's how I know I'm a big nerd. Yeah, like, the, my big one is probably Dragon Ball. That's the one I feel I know the most about. Yes, Naruto sure. was number two. One Piece is number three, and then the smaller ones that tier under there like One Piece. Uh, no, no, uh, One Punch Man. Uh, Attack on Titan's pretty good, but I I got lost around season three, picked it up at four, and now it's just like mind blowing. Yeah, Demon Slayer is pretty good, but I haven't watched two and beyond. The movie was great, but yeah, it's just the end of the, of this current season. You should watch it. It's yeah, super hype. I do. I, I, I try to stay away from the clips and the YouTube videos because yeah, you I need to. to watch the beginning because I I need to fall in love with the character first, kind of like 
if I watch the fight at the end of the Mugen Train, I don't really care about Rengoku that much. Yeah. And oh, dude, I love Rengoku. But, like, I genuinely... I think Demon Slayer is the... is. Oh, man, I'm going to catch some hate for this. But, like, I love it. And it gets me hyped. But I think it's pretty mid-series, personally. It is mid. Like, you can't just get hit with all the good stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, you got to kind of build it up. It's kind of like the TikTok version of uh, anime. Because it's just... Every episode is a banger, but it's almost like that's just how they have to make it nowadays. No, and it, it appeals to a lot. Like having Tanjiro as a very like moldable character, like he's he's how do I describe him? He's very broad as a mm. character, makes him relatable to more people. So like, of course, people are gonna like that. Um, so, but I don't like Tanjiro that much as a character. He's just like he's like I call him Sword Deku. I don't know if you have ever watched My Hero Academia. Sword Deku. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he reminds me of Deku with a sword, mm-hmm. essentially. Kind of. I see where you're going. Yeah, not as much of a crybaby, but like same same idea. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not hating on it. I'm, I know I sound like I am, but like I've watched enough Shonen that I like to be a, a critique. I still mm-hmm. love it. I watch it. I really enjoy it. So, but I like to like talk about what I like in Shonen. Really anime, what I don't like in you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 so. yeah. I do, I do. It's good to be able to have these type of conversations with someone because it isn't something that you can talk about every day. Yes. You know what I mean? You really should, though, man. If you like this stuff, watch Finland Saga. It's on Finland Netflix Saga. right now. Just make it to episode four. That's like the Viking yes. type oh, of... Oh, dude, just trust me. Just trust yeah. me when I say If you make it to episode four, you're not going to be able to put it down. Four. Like, it's... like, And I mean, one, two, and three are really good. Don't get me wrong. But four is where something pivotal happens that, like, Hooks arches the story in a completely different direction. Mm. Yeah, it's the hook. And like it's, oh, it's so good, dude. And Berserk is one I'd highly recommend too. Mm. Those are two seinen manga that are like they're more for people our age, but share a lot of elements of shonen. Mm. Um, but those two are the, like those two change. Like they changed my life watching mm. it. They changed the way I view people and mm. the way I view life. Crazy, so, isn't it? It's wild, dude. I had watched one. I forgot where I watched it. It was about this boji, <laughs> a small little king. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, have you seen that king's one? ranking. King's I need to ranking, finish it. I'm two king. episodes behind, and I never finished it. I loved it. That I don't really good. know why I didn't finish it. I just really got good. busy, and like I was getting real hype. I really enjoyed that one. I think that's a seinen too. Yeah, that's correctly. the one my wife was looking at, and she goes, "What are you watching?" I was like, "This kid, you don't understand. He can't talk, but the shadow translates for him." <laughs> And his dad just died, but he got taken over by this person in the wind, in, in a in a glass. Like you don't understand. You know? and, but wife. this guy's really fast, though. He can he can do cool things, and he's really nice. But like he gets taken advantage of. And did your wife watch anime with no. you? Oh, dude, I got I tried to. I got my wife to watch Hunter. And oh, yeah. she loved it. Like just loved. I got my Hunter. nephews hooked. <laughs> and, oh, my yeah, wife. That's the easiest part. I've got a couple of my nephews mm-hmm. to watch. Like I, unfortunately, I used Jujutsu Kaisen, which probably wasn't the best one to use. No, but that, that like, one, man, I really need to use the restroom real fast. No, go. Well, look, man, we're just gonna. Cause I yeah. think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah, we've done it. We got a lot covered. We're at uh, an hour and fifty-five minutes. Yeah. So if you've listened to this up to this point, dude, shout out to you guys. You guys really <laughs> like anime, fitness, and working out. I hope you were able to pick up a lot about um, how to protect yourself, how to train yourself better, how to teach your kids to be better athletes. And if you need someone to hit up some pointers, he definitely seems approachable and really willing to help. So I definitely, definitely recommend you to hit Eric up. Eric, do you have anything to say before we close out? Just thank you for letting me be a part of this, man. This has been an amazing experience. And like you said, if you guys want help or just want to talk, like I'm more than willing to talk and, and help you guys out, especially if I can give back to the soccer community that gave me so much. So, um, but yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, dude, shout out to Garrett for making this happen. Man. Absolutely. This Garrett's the man. Garrett's the man. Well, uh, I appreciate you, man. This has been another episode of the Mouse with Gold Podcast.